Blog Talk Radio. Uh, 
uh, in general with his career, but especially this year, um, you know, wiping out Nonito Donaire so quick, a lot of people anticipated. A lot of people thought, as far as what I saw, that it was going to go under, and I think the over-under was like two and a half or three and a half, something like that. So we're going to talk about the weekend, um, you know, talk us through some of the undercard fights as well. And then um, Michelle Riviera and Frank Martin, the headliner on Showtime. I'm really, really looking forward to that um, fight. I mean, that is a banger, man. Two contenders really trying to, uh, you know, it's like a proving ground fight. It's like they're both contenders. We clearly see that. Who's going to keep going up the ladder at 135? Really looking forward to that. I'm not about that. It's going to be great. We do have plenty of fight news, obviously, as far as fallout from the weekend. What is Teofimo Lopez going to do next? What's Terrence Crawford going to do next? Um, uh, you know, I don't know about that one, but hopefully. You know, we do have some notes from the WBA convention, too. I'm not going to get too deep, but we have a great piece of news when it comes to a, a purse bid. Golden Boy won the purse bid for Ortiz and Stanionis, and I cannot wait for that fight. It sounds like it's good to go. I mean, some people are like, well, he may bail out. Stanionis may bail out. Did you see? Like, I understand because all purse bids aren't created equal, right? Um, like, it, it, sometimes someone's getting screwed and they don't want it. Um, I mean, if you look at what happened you know, with the WBA, um, with the Leo Santa Cruz stuff, and how the the split, the purse split for the purse, the potential purse bid, that screwed that all up as well. And it, it, luckily, we got some closure when it comes to that. But Ortiz and Standing Onis, man, whew, that is just a complete banger. We do have a little bit of rumors with Jamal Charlo. In his next fight, I think I teased that and didn't get to it last week. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I really don't know. I already got a message. That you think Crawford and Spence will fight in 2023? That's a good question, man. I, I don't know. I wish I had a better grip of it. Hopefully he just wanted to kind of tune up and fight, you know, what's a quality, solid fighter, but nothing high level, but... Um, just just to get a fight in so he wouldn't have to go a couple more months beyond what he already did. Hopefully uh, they fight. I, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. We had, it's like good news, bad news when it comes to Oscar Valdez and Emmanuel Navarrete. Sounded like that was a done deal. There is some news now. It's kind of a bummer. Maybe it'll happen in the summer. Um, and then there is other current fight news that we'll get to. Um we now have a little bit more information from Lawrence Coley. He did an interview uh, with IFL TV and Boxing King Media. Pretty selling with Matchroom and Eddie Hearn and, and, and just the the runaround that they were giving him. It's just it's a funky bit of news, and I have yet to heard Eddie Hearn's side. Well, we heard Eddie Hearn's side, I should say, a little bit, right? Because he said he owed him a fight. Uh, that, you know, Coley owed Matchroom a fight. But now we got a little bit more details with it. And it sounds like a Coley had to hire lawyers to really, you know, look over that contract. And, and as it turns out, he didn't even own the fight. And there's all sorts of details. Like, he, 
they were trying to have him buy out of his contract and just some real shaky shit. And it it, it kind of strikes me as even stranger. I, we get it, manager, promoter, trying to screw people, no big deal, right? That That's a – well, it is a big deal, but, you know, it's a run-of-the-mill type thing. But considering – I'm almost positive, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't he with the AJ Management 258? Isn't he with the 258 crew? It's just kind of weird to be dogging him like that. When you hear the details, you know, like I said, we heard a little bit about it from Eddie Hearn. We heard a little bit um, saying, you know, I'm a free agent with the Coley. But now we have more details, and we're going to dig into them. It's just really weird. And at one time, they say, hey, you owe us a fight. But then now, you know, then Eddie after said, well, we're not making any money off. So what the hell would you want another fight then if you're not? It's, just, it's strange, dude. They were trying to hustle him, trying to buy him out of his contract. That didn't exist. It's a funky story. And like I said, we heard a little bit from Eddie, and we heard a little bit um, from Akoli, but now we have in-depth interviews about it, and it's pretty suspect. Now I'm sure we'll hear Eddie's you know, side as well with more detail, but who knows? It, it, it's pretty funky. Anyway... If this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Dope Radio. However, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope Dope and, and listen, you know, download the show or listen to the browser. You can find the platform Rope Dope Radio uh, on Apple Podcasts, iHeart, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spricker, and a whole host of other areas as well, platforms to check it out on while you're at it. Why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com and Phil Boxing, Eastside Boxing, uh, Sports News 24. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99. They got a new deal here, okay? They still have that if you go with the choice package and above. You get to enjoy Showtime Stars, Epic Cinemax, and HBO Max is back for three months. That's a $160 value. But they got a new thing here. You can save $50 over a five-month span if you go with the choice package or above and buy the exclusive DirecTV stream device. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. That's DirecTV stream. Okay. So like I said, we normally start in the ring, right? That's where we normally start. And, you know, there were some big names out there, Inouye Crawford, Tiafimo, over in the U.K., Warrington Lopez. We we called that here. Well, we called a knockout, too. We didn't get all of it. <laughs> but we did get a fair amount of it when it came to that. But, um, I mean, we might as well start with Tiafimo Lopez. Sandor Martin. Um, and I, I guess I was calling him Martin for a while on the show because I got some messages on that too. So I apologize. I, you know, sometimes you just get you just get a little stuck, you know, um, saying shit. You just you don't even realize you're doing it. So it is what it is. But thank you for uh, correcting me. Some people did it a little bit more rudely than others. But hey, you know, that that's okay. Um, so Martine, you know, early on, um, it was, it, I don't know, it, it's, I thought he did pretty good. I gave Lopez the, the, the first round. I did think he won that one. 
Um, you know, I think the body shot was probably, you know, the best land. Um, I don't know. There was a couple of left hooks as well uh, by Lopez. Um, a couple good layouts. So that, that's about it as far as that goes. But then second round, um, I think it was a right hook as Kiofimo was coming in. Martin, you know, landed it on the kind of the top of the kind of the top of the side of the head, um, and it, it got scored a knockdown. And you could see Lopez was a little tentative after that, um, somewhat anyway. It, it, other overall, it was kind of a slow round beyond that. And I think was that the first or I think the first round was that head clash where Martin, you know, hurt his nose pretty well. You could see his bleeding, but you could see he was kind of puffy, and you're wondering, huh? You know, I wonder if that's going to come back to bite him. The third round was really really close. Martin with the straight left hands and the left hook. I'd say uh, during an exchange, I'd say Lopez probably landed the better of the hook. Um, it was a close round, a couple of few, I'd say pretty good right hands by Lopez. That that round could have went either way. I gave it to Martin, but it, it really could have went either way in my mind. I gave him the fourth round as well. Um, you know, Lopez was having some trouble finding the range. Um and, you know, he'd throw some combos in those first handful of rounds, and they just weren't all that effective. Um, now, Martin was landing the better shots in the fourth round, but you could already kind of tell, hey, dude, you do need to throw a little bit more. The fifth round was a close round. I gave it to Lopez. That was close, though. Very close. Could have went either way. And there are some swing rounds in this. I think the, the seventh and eighth were pretty close, too. I gave Lopez the, the sixth, some of that body work. Uh, did it for me, um, and there was like a nice right hand in a combination. Um, you know, so he was a tad busier, wasn't a, that accurate though. But um, like I said, the, the seventh and eighth, you could split it. You know what I mean? Um, I think that seventh round was that. I think it was a check right hook or just a nice right hook in there. Um, was it kind of a a push or pull down, or was it, should it have been called a knockdown? A lot of people thought that should have been a knockdown. Um, now, you could also say that first one was kind of in the side of the head, so maybe it shouldn't have been called a knockdown, whatever it is. Um, Lopez had a good round, though, looking at the the 36 to 20 and punches, or not, I'm sorry, not a good round, a slow round. He threw a little bit more, but there wasn't much happening in that that round. It was punches thrown, my bad. I was like, damn, 36 punches? I don't think they landed that much. Yeah, 36 to 20, that just punches thrown. Um, so it was, you know, although Lopez couldn't cut off the ring all that much, and like I said, he has that basic, they were kind of talking about it, and I've heard this in the past too, about the Roy Jones like feel to it, but he's not Roy Jones. Sure, he can, you know, land explosive punches, he's got hand speed, you know, he can knock you out, whatever. Um, and pot shot and counter and all that, but it's like he needs a certain opponent in front of him to be able to do that stuff um, and feel really comfortable doing it. Otherwise, he wasn't really cutting the ring off all that much, and I don't know, man. I really don't know. He wasn't all that effective. Um, He just wasn't cutting the ring off. I did think he, you know, 
The ninth and tenth, I gave to Lopez. Uh, he started getting his right hand through a little bit more. Um, actually, I think in the tenth round, the ref warned uh, for like a late illegal hit. I think for Sandor, but um, he, you know, Martin landed a nice right hook counter. I believe it was on the left to the body, um, and more counter jabs. You know, after Lopez. But Lopez landed a really nice right hand and some body shots, and then another big right hand. And I'd say like the last 30 seconds or so, um, he closed stronger. So I gave him that round. You know, 6-4, 5-4-1, I wouldn't have mind to draw. I think you could make a case for both guys. Um, but it just, I don't know, man. It was it was it was a it was a shitty performance, kinda. I mean, um, you had what was it, ninety seven to seventy seven. That was the the land. So neither guy even hit a hundred punches. Now it was only ten rounds. Uh, Three ninety one though. Lopez at twenty five percent, two forty four. And we, there's Martin two forty four. I mean, think about that. Two forty four time. You know, divide that with ten, dude. That's just not enough punching. You know, he was more accurate. He was definitely 32% to 25. Uh, Lopez went to the body. I think that was the key for Lopez, 55 to 11 to the body. I thought that was really key. Um, 97, 92, 96, 93, and 94, 95, 94. So one of them did go to Martin. Um, I wouldn't have been crying if he won uh, Martin, that's for sure. I, I would have been okay with it. but or Or a draw. You know, although, you know, a draw is tougher with a knockdown. Um, and I know a lot of people thought it should have been a se- second knockdown. And I think that's fair. But like I said, I also think that, you know, there there was somewhat of an illegal punch that didn't get called and that caused the knockdown. So I think it kind of, it's kind of both there. You know what I mean? Um, and then after the fight's done, He's trying to – Tiafimo's getting interviewed. He's trying to get his, his, his baby in the, the ring. And it's kind of in between. Is it going to happen? Is it not? He's kind of playing it out, like, on in the interview. And he's just like, oh, okay, so he can't come in here or can or, oh, okay, whatever. You know, it was kind of like just more drama. Even if it wasn't really drama-filled, they didn't get in a big argument or something, it still was kind of – it was just kind of Tiafimo, to be honest with you. And then – they show this clip of him saying, do I still got it? Do I still got it? He's talking to his team. Do I still have it? It's like, oh, wow, dude. And some guys that are, like, uber confident, turns out they're not nearly as confident as it appears. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, to me, it was pretty telling. I mean, that that threw me off. Not shocked, <laughs> that's for sure. But it did throw me off a little bit. It was like, geez. This is not a good look, dude. This is not a good look at all. So um, he won the fight, and I was okay with him winning. That, that's perfectly fine. He just didn't look all that good doing it, and now it's his second fight at 140. He just doesn't, like I said, it's almost like he needs a, a plotting guy in front of him to be crazy, you know, explosive. But it's not, you know, it's a game plan. It's kind of like you don't switch it up. There's, He just, I don't know, man. Some He just kind of rinse and repeat with the basic game plan. And there isn't – the game plan is just like, okay, so what ha- – you know, what if that's not working, now what? 
Then what? What if that doesn't work? Now what? You know, it's kind of like, what, what, what are you doing? You know, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, what I do know is obviously he needs a trainer. You know, if you look at that Lomachenko, a good chunk of that Lomachenko fight, the way he was jabbing and pushing uh, Loma back and rendered him really tentative for like the first six rounds, and just the game plan he had. And I don't know, man. It, it's it's not all that shocking because we've seen it enough now. And to be fair, as far as like everyone kind of needs a certain style to look great in front of for the most part. You know what I mean? I just think it's like I said, game plan and advice in the corner. And sometimes he's not even paying attention to the corner. You know, so I, I don't know, man. It's just he didn't look all that good. And where does he go from here? A lot of people say in pro grace, Ramirez, and, 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 you know, whoever. Uh, um, Josh Taylor, although his fight got postponed. Catterall again. Um, so I don't know, man. I mean, I'm pretty sure Ramirez and Progre have to, you know, are going to fight. I'm, all, I'm not, it's not 100%, but I don't know. I mean, it. That was the agreement that they made with that WBC thing that, you know, the Taylor belt that let, you know, he vacated. So the winner, wasn't it going to be Zapata in Ramirez and then Ramirez, didn't he have some family or was it a wedding? Some, some kind of major thing that was going on that he basically said, all right, let's make an agreement and they fight and I get the winner. So I think it's still on that, you know. Not that, I mean, this is boxing, so, you know, I wouldn't be shocked that much. But I'd be a little surprised that that's not how it went, unless he was hoping Zapata win the one, and, and then he, you know, I don't know. I, maybe that's it, but I I don't know. I really am kind of confused, to be honest with you. Um, now, does this got an op- have an opportunity to go to a first bid then again? You know, I guess that would be kind of funky. Um, but... Who knows? That, but that's who I think uh, that fight's going to happen. So, Tiafimo, there's plenty of guys to fight at 140, Barbosa. Um, he doesn't seem to want to fight him. I'm not saying he's ducking him, but, you know, his team is the one that says that they, he doesn't do anything for me. So, whatever. Um, but, yeah, he didn't look all that great. And, once again, dude, the dude needs a freaking head coach trainer. That's a professional level. It just It's obvious. It's completely obvious. Keyshawn Davis and Burgos, old vet Burgos, doesn't go down for nobody, and he didn't hear. Um, Davis, uh, you know, in complete control pretty much the whole time, mixed into the head and body. I thought he did that very nicely. He was cutting off the ring, but kind of, um, you know, kind of smart, pretty using it smartly, you know what I mean? Um, I mean, he landed so many more punches at, at a high rate. I think it was like 110 to 22 or some shit like that, 46%. Um, he was busy with his punches, but he wasn't wasteful, you know. Um, he looked pretty sharp, man. Looked really good. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of two-way stuff in the fight, uh, but he did get like a good eight rounds against a, a vet that wasn't going anywhere. Um, but yeah, Actually, that was uh, 
that was after the first four or five or four first four rounds. I'm I'm sorry. So Davis landed two forty seven to forty eight. Five twenty nine landed forty seven percent to seventeen. Uh, um so you know, they gotta keep moving him. He's uh he's an advanced guy, so and he's up for prospect of the year, no doubt about it. Then they had this weird segment where with Coppinger, I don't know, it just seemed a little scripted. And Coppinger was like, I'm not going to say he was full on yelling, but he was just talking so loud. It was just weird. It was weird, dude. It was a weird segment. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Then we had Xander Zayas um, doing his thing against uh, Alexi Solares, I think it was Solares. I think that was. Um, and, you know, Xander did his thing. He landed like an early, pretty big right hand that kind of stumbled him uh, to the ropes. Landed a really nice left hook. It should have been a knockdown. I mean, if we're being honest, that should have been a knockdown. I think it was a right hand left hook. Um, rounds two to like four or five, um, I'd say maybe Zayas could have went to the body more. That would be kind of, you know, like being – a little critical, you know. Um, and then Alexis, I'd say he, uh, he he landed some decent shots in spots. He had a pretty decent jab going, too. Um, and then I'd say from six to eight, let's say, uh, I'd say that the rounds were getting tighter, and it was more two-way action. And we actually got some more quality rounds for uh, a young fighter, in my mind. Uh, so I kind of like the fact that that it tightened up and it made for more of, you know, not just more action, but, you know, some, I'm not going to say adversity, but, you know, some something there that to make them think, basically. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a good performance. Um, and, by the way, no no big, you know, surprise here being Puerto Rican, but, uh, you know, the crowd really was hyped for him. That's for sure. I'm not saying they weren't hyped for Lopez at all, but Zayas, they were, they were ready for him. That's for sure. So you know he's uh, another hot prospect that's looking pretty good. Solid fighter. Um, you know, so we'll see where where that all goes. Um, so yeah, I didn't didn't really didn't really lose many rounds or anything like that. So. So yeah, pretty pretty clean there, very clean uh, victory. Um, and then oh yeah, what am I? I almost forgot Anderson. So Jared Anderson, the big baby, the real big baby. Sorry, against Jerry Forrester. Um, I believe they said it was Anderson's first scheduled ten rounder. I mean, shit didn't go twelve, you know, ten rounds. But you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, Forrest actually had some real success early, like a few big right hands. Um, Anderson may have buzzed him back, though. I mean, he didn't get buzzed, Anderson, but he buzzed him with a nice right hand um, and kind of went on like an attack after that. It's kind of like he got clipped with a couple right hands, and I'm using the term clipped loosely. I'm not saying he got clipped and his legs were hurt or something like that. But he went off, dude. To the point where it's like, okay, as a heavyweight, 
that's in shape and athletic and, and looks like he's a very skilled guy. It's nice that he can throw 100 punches. Actually, I wrote it down, 54 out of 114. But Forrest landed 18 out of 45. So, I mean, that's a lot of punches in one round. But then he, I mean, he put it on him. Over, it was a little funky. It's like, oh, I can do that, but you're not going to want to do that much. So hopefully it's not something that we see Anderson do when he steps all the way up to where, hey, dude, you got hit. No big deal. Don't don't go off on dude, you know, right away, you know. I mean, win the round, but that, that I don't know. It's like there's a pro and con there. It's a positive that he can throw 100 punches and look pretty good or look very good. But also, I hope that's, like I said, I hope that's not what he does. Um, and then Anderson, you know, he's always pumping that jab, you know, from Jump Street. Dude's just always doing it. Um, hard, hard jabs, nice right hand, kind of the, the back of the head, I think. Um, legal, though, side of the head type, you know, that area. Hard jabs, right hand, um, and basically, you know, it's it was kind of weird. He he got clipped right, and then he bent over, and for a second it looked like Forrest was like, "Dude, he hit." You know, he turned his head, and it seemed like he didn't realize that the fight, like he he had lost. It seemed like he thought he had been getting a little time to to recoup from the side shot. It was kind of weird. He bent over, appeared kind of out of it. Um. But they even they showed the clip of him, you know, up close, and he's like, "What?" You could see him go, "It's over." What, what do you mean? So it looked like he thought it was an illegal shot, um, but that wasn't the case. Anderson handled business, and once again, another prospect. Some people already put him in contender range. Um, you know, I think I think you could put him at contender range. I'm not saying it's it, you could hang with a lot of dudes in the top ten. Or not just hang with him, beat him. But I, I'm a, I'm just kind of old school where you still got to go. Do you, does anyone have Forrest in the top ten? Because I didn't. So to me, you do got to be a you know beat a top ten guy. I mean, this is his first ten rounder or scheduled ten rounder. <laughs> he didn't need it. But uh, just more good stuff for Big Baby, dude. I, I mean, I, I'm really you know whether he takes on you know a veteran guy like Chisora or. Um, I mean, there's a variety of guys that that he could that he could take on, and I think that um, I someone actually just got on me about the Chisora. I'm just being honest, dude. I, it's not something that I'm like. I hope that happens, dude. They better make that fight, man. You know, I'm not saying that. Um, I'm just saying, like, it's 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 not a horrible fight. Like I said, I'd rather have, you know different fight than that and there is some other fights than that to be fair um but yeah i uh i don't know i i just i like i like him a lot i mean sure he did get hit a, a handful of times no doubt but to me i don't know man i just i think this guy's got so much damn potential and uh i like what i see out of him dude i mean i i really really do i think he's Got so much talent, and for a heavyweight dude, he's he's real talented offensively. I mean, he really is. So, um, and like I said, there's plenty of guys to to fight. Um, 
He could fight uh, that Martin Bacoli. Uh, he could fight. Well, I think the Dillian White fight's going to happen. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really see that. Um, Michael Hunter would be another step up. I think that would be interesting, and it would help him. Ranking-wise, some people said Trevor Bryant. Yeah, or like Lucas Brown or something like that. Uh, you know, you could do the battle of the real big babies. <laughs> uh, Charles Martin, you know, I actually, I really like the Charles Martin fight. That would work for me, definitely. So, um, you know, do I think that they'll step him up all the way to a, a Joseph Parker or something like that? Uh, probably not. Probably not. But any of those names, dude, sign me up for them. You know, I, I think they're pretty damn good. I think they're pretty damn good. Um, so, yeah, overall, um, it was a good card. Uh, the rating, I don't, I think it was just short of a million. I didn't, it like peaking at a million. It was a long card. It was over, I think it was like three hours, over three hours. Like three hours. can't remember. I just saw the boxing scene. I think they said three hours and eight minutes. So it was a long card. I think the whole card held like eight, over 800,000. I think it was like eight. Or something like that. That's the whole card, though. The main event peaked uh, close to a million. I don't know what the lead-in was, though. But it, but there were a fair amount of fights, obviously, between where the lead lead-in Heisman started. You know, three fights to get to the main event. So that probably did hurt it a little bit. But as far as ESPN post uh, COVID um, for boxing, it's still a really healthy number, and we. We don't get to see that number as much uh, as we had. So, um, you know, it, it is what it is on that. I don't, like I said, I don't know the lead-in number, so it's hard for me to judge if it was a little lower than I thought. Uh, I, I have to see that number, and I just haven't been able to look at it because I, I was busy and kind of started the show right away and blah, 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 blah. So, um some of those names I talked about, I think you can feel free to step them up against any of those guys. I don't think it'd be a problem at all. Overall, um, you know, uh, the prospects didn't really get tested, like as far as two-way stuff, besides um, that early success with the right hands that uh, Jerry Forrest had, and then that late stuff um, from Alexis, uh, you know, fighting uh, Zayas. So other than that, you know, I'd say prospect-wise, these guys were, especially two of the fights were good. I thought, For, you know, Forrest was a good step up, and I thought Burgos is, is a good step up. So, overall, not too much two-way stuff, but at least they're not in there with complete walkover-type fights. Um, so, it's kind of that in-between, you know what I mean? Um, but overall, a pretty good card, you know. I thought it was a pretty good card. Definitely enjoyed it. Um Let's see. So we will get to that Warrington and Lopez um, in just a second. Just make sure I got that Lopez. Okay. And then uh, there's a lot of fights this weekend. I'm trying to make sure I got them all. Okay. So um, let's have. Well, you know what? Let's actually. Where should we go? Where should we get somebody? Let's go to that Warrington. That was a closer fight. Well, obviously, a very close fight, right? Um, although for a, for a little while there, it did not seem like that was going to be the case. Because it kind of seemed like um, Lopez was going to walk away with it. 
a second there. It really did. Um, so Josh Warrington and uh, Lopez. And at the start, I kind of thought Warrington looked a, a tad bigger. But maybe I was just tripping. I'm not totally sure on that. It kind of it kind of looked a little bigger in my opinion. Um, but I thought Warrington won the first round. Um, he had his jab, had that high guard up pretty much the whole fight. He was kind of when he would get hit, he would kind of fire back with uh, with hooks and uh, his choppy right hand. Um, I gave the second to Lopez. I thought uh, there was a head clash that, what do you know, <laughs> a head clash in a Josh Warrington fight. That's really crazy. Um, so, and that was the second round. Lopez, to me, the pressure, you know, the pressure, the body work, landing his jab. Both guys were kind of landing their jab on and off. Um, the, the, the third round was close. I leaned Warrington on that. I thought his left hooks, his nose was bleeding kind of bad by then, but that high guard with the left hook, closed the round with some hooks to the body. Um, but so did Lopez. I mean, he had some uppercuts. I think he started adding the uppercut there, hooks to the body as well. So it was a close round. You know, I, I think it could have went either way. The fourth round, I thought Lopez landed a better shot, but it, but it could have went the other way. Then I thought, then I had Lopez the fifth, sixth, seventh, and even though the eighth was close, I gave him the eighth. That could have been a, a tie round there. Um, to me, you know, he, uh, well, beyond Warrington leading, you know, with his head more and more, a few good shots to the head, but a lot of body work for Lopez in the fifth round. Um, right hooks to the body, uh, kind of getting them along the ropes, getting close to him, and, 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 you know, landing those uppercuts. Um, I thought the sixth round was a fairly clean besides some early stuff, you know, cause he actually landed some good hooks when Lopez was on the ropes. But, um, to me, Lopez won, like I said, a couple of rounds in a row. Um, pace started slowing down a tad bit, uh, uh including Warrington. You could really see him slowing down and, uh, more, you know, more uppercuts uh, from Lopez. And this is the eighth round, and from here on off, that's where Warrington got definitely more into it. Uh, he was starting to show some life maybe the last minute or so. Uh, maybe he stole that round, maybe he didn't. I'm not really sure on that one. Uh, but then I thought Warrington, It's I thought, I thought he won several uh, nice – Shots to kind of close the round. I think one of them was a, one or two of them was really good, good hooks. I gave him the ninth round. The, the ref called time for hitting behind the back or behind yeah behind the back, and uh, it was like okay yeah that happened I get it. But to me, the ref wasn't you know warning Warrington enough, and that's some home cooking. It is what it is. I thought Lopez bounced back and won the tenth. You had some early. Um, Early action from Warrington, but he tapered off offensively. And then mid to late, better shots, just a busier fighter, in my opinion. And then I gave the, uh, or, yeah, I gave, I thought Warrington actually closed with the 11th and 12th. Um, I think the 11th may have been, like, his best round, hands down. Um, he was busier. 
you know, he was really landing that left hook. Um, and here's the problem with Lopez in this scenario. He started complaining to the ref more than he was fighting, and he, re- he needed to regain his focus. Because there were some moments in there that I'm not going to say he almost got knocked out, but he could have. And it's not like he was just paying attention to the ref the whole time and then got hit. It's the constant looking over there, and it's the constant complaining in general where he's shaking his head, he's doing this. He's wasting valuable time in a round, and that's where the experience – he's got plenty of experience, but not not enough, obviously, because he, he really emotionally got too involved um, in this, you know what I mean? Um, and I think it's funny because I wrote this note down. The the broadcast on the zone was like Warrington. You know, near the end they're trying to build up dramatic stuff, and he's like, and don't get me wrong, Warrington did get back in the fight, but he was like, Warrington trails by a single round, and it's like, well, that's not Tony Bellew's scorecard, dude. You can't. It, it was a little, I don't know. It was a little weird. Um, and like I said, I, I didn't think the ref did all that good. I thought it was a little too late, a little too late, um, too little too late for, uh, you know, for um, to, to actually start saying stuff to Josh. You know, 114-114, and the two scorecards had it 115-113. Um, close fight, competitive fight, 7-5, is what my scorecard was for Lopez. Could it have been a draw? You know, I don't think so. It was close enough, though. I wouldn't have been surprised. I kind of, when I was watching, I kind of felt like that would be the case. Um, but it wasn't. It was kind of refreshing that, uh, shit, excuse me. <laughs> I had to uh, grab something to drink there. <clears throat> Jeez. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, it was kind of refreshing that we actually got a legit, you know, uh, scorecard in that circumstance. So two seven fives, one tie, you know, one draw. I thought that was fair, but I did think Lopez won the fight. Um, but I, I hope he learns from this because, like I said, he da- I mean, he damn near gave this fight away. I mean, it was really close to having this fight away. I was pretty surprised. I was like, "What? what's going on? What is going on here? you, you got to stop complaining, dude, because he had, like, such a clean lead. Um, so Lopez landed 184 to 161. They Warrington was a little more accurate, 33 to, to 31. But Lopez busier, almost 600 punches to 487. They both were going to the body. Lopez just by a little bit, 55-44. Close on the jabs. Uh but, you know, overall, um, 49 to 30 was Lopez on there. And he just he has this awkward style, dude, uh, where he'll just leap at you. Uh, he, just, he just comes from a lot of different angles, dude. He, he, he's pretty fun to watch, man. Um, you know, he, he, a lot of people don't think he's that skilled. Um, and I understand, like, the fundamentals and all that, but he's, you know, he doesn't have the greatest footwork, but 
he's just so awkward. The angles, the the you know the looping shots, the con, you know most of the time constant pressure. I just felt like he damn near gave up this fight because he. Don't get me wrong, he had every right to complain, but at some point you you have to either do it back to do what the guy's doing to you or gal is doing to you. And, and just, you know, a lot of times, now, sure, you could say, well, he's on the road. wonder if he, you know, got a point deducted. And, and that's fair. I do get that. Um, but he almost gave it away. He almost gave it away. He was way not focused at all, too, too, too unfocused there. Um, then we had the Ebony Bridges and Shannon O'Connell. And actually, Bridges got hit a bunch early in that fight. Now she scored a nice right hand, a lot of two-way action, right hand. I think it was the third, third round. It was a dog fight for a good chunk of it. Well, for like the first few rounds. And then it was kind of more bridges landing the cleaner shot. Like I said, she had that right hand that caused a knockdown on the third. And she just kept bringing a lot, a lot of pressure. It just broke her down. I think it was a right hand. And then a flurry, um, that was a TKO, good stoppage. But, yeah, that was a dogfight for a good chunk of it. Felix Cash um, is now set up, it sounds like, to fight Amal Williams next. But he had another close fight, Felix Cash did, with uh, Neves. Um, and that dude was like, I think his record now was like 9-3-2. and two. Um, It was 77-75, I believe, was the scorecards. Um, that was a close fight, dude. And, you know, Cash, Cash has had a you know, a couple of those. Um, so, you know, the, I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't know how I, I really rate him in that fight. I mean, Ammo has some issues, no doubt about it. But, um, I mean, he was just in his last fight. You know, he was, uh, wasn't he down twice? Yeah, he was down early. I think the second or third round, then, then in the last round, if I remember correctly, against Madia. So, and I know he took care of Bent, you know, Denzel Bentley. So, and, and also Wellborn. He's he's got some, you know, solid names. But uh, another close fight, and I don't know if he just didn't didn't take the the guy serious or whatever. But it, I don't know. But it wasn't it wasn't all that impressive, to be honest with you. Um, and it was kind of interesting to hear Ammo talking on the broadcast about, oh, he should have done this, he should have done that. And he did. He did actually make some good points. Uh, to be fair, um, so you know Josh Warrington still plenty of fights. Uh, you know, still has plenty of fights he can fight over there. I mean, he, he lost, but he, you know, especially now with the feather another featherweight belt available uh, with Leo Santa Cruz uh, going to one thirty now. Thank God that. That shit's over now. That oh, that that's already down so much, man. That was that was ridiculous. But um, so there's there's plenty of fights. Obviously, I doubt you'd put him right there back in with Mauricio Lara. Like, what's that gonna do? I'm not saying they can never fight or whatever, but to me, going right to that fight would be ridiculous. Uh, even if he's got another fight lined up, I'm talking about Mauricio Lopez or uh, Lara and then fight the winner. I, I don't know. I'd stay away from him, dude. I'd stay away from him. At least for now. You know, maybe that's your swan song, and you can 
get right or whatever, but, um, you know, it is what it is. So, um, I, oh, Tiger Johnson, by the way, I did forget to mention him, a prospect on the up and up. Anyway, like I said, I did actually, I fell asleep and woke up randomly on my couch, didn't set my alarm, and I just woke up literally like minutes before it was starting. I was like, okay, I'll watch it. Like I said, he kind of, um, kind of looked like he was putting it on him. I mean, he put on, you know, put it on him the whole fight, obviously, but like, he kind of looked like he was going to get him out of there early. Um, and then, you know, Butler, I mean, some people are saying he didn't look all that great anyway. And, and I think that's fair. He didn't, you know, like I said, the bar, it was kind of set. Well, it's been set high with him, but overall, you know, I mean, just what he did to Donaire, that kind of loses the focus where you're like, oh, shit, you know. But, I mean, you know, the first round, if you just look at punches landed, 10 to 0. Second round, 18 to 3, 20 to 8, like 16 to 3. You know, there there, there were some lulls in the fight, you know, uh, 14 to 5. I'm looking at round by round, 9 to 5. He didn't look all that as explosive, you know, but he dominated. Fight though. I mean, look at this. 151 to 38, dude. You went 12 rounds and you could only land 38 punches. 12%. That's, you rarely see that low of a percentage, but 22.7, that's not really a great uh, landing percentage for him. Usually a little bit higher with that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he got the job done. Some folks think he should be the fighter of the year. Obviously, that's a debate for another show. Um, and I get it, you know, I do get it. He, uh, he, he did beat a future hall of famer, you know, and, and whatnot. And we could sit there and talk about, you know, Canelo and, and that type of thing. I just think you got to give it to Bibble. You know, Bam had a great year. Uh, Jamal Charlo, there, there's some fight guys that just fought once that had a damn good outing, you know, but yeah, it's, he's up there. Let's put it that way. Um, he did have a bunch of problems making weight. And I saw somebody on the scale, a picture of him on the scale, but it didn't look like him. I thought someone kind of doctored the shot, the picture. But he did have problems making weight. So I think he's probably going to go up, I assume, now that he's the undisputed. But, and this is kind of what I meant by last week I did get a little heat for saying, you know, like, I think I said something similar to this earlier. Not every, you know, not all undisputed championships are created equal, are the same, you know. And this one was just sheer resume. Hey, dude, I was undisputed. I had all the belts. And that's cool. I'm not ripping them for doing it. I I get it. It makes a lot of sense. You know, why not be undisputed if you could do it? Why not? But um, it's also not. Like, he had already proven he was the guy at the weight class. So, you know, it does it adds, like I said, resume when he, when he retires. He can say, yeah, I was undisputed at that weight class. But other than that, it was a mismatch. I mean, that's not ripping anybody. It was a mismatch. But, you know, that happens sometimes, dude. It just happens. You know what I mean? It just happens. So I watched a replay last night of the Crawford-Avenesian fight, okay? I did not steal it. 
I did not stream steal it. Um, but once it's over and someone, whether they're in the crowd zooming in or they, you know, record the stream, whatever, but they put it on the internet. Okay. Last night, I didn't see it today, but last night, um, it had like over 200,000 views. So that's what I watched. So when I say I watched it, I don't mean I, I illegally streamed it. You know, I, I much like uh, Thurman Barrios or some other fights that I didn't rent this year, buy this year. I didn't buy this one. Um, I just, you know, I just didn't. But I did watch that. So I don't, I didn't watch the, the, the undercard. I, I couldn't find those fights. I could find one of the fights that actually turned out to be really boring. I thought it was going to be a good fight, but it turned out to be really boring, I guess. But the the recorded um, video was just, it was choppy. It just sucked. You know, sometimes you, online stuff will look great. Other times you look and you're like, dude, I'm not going to watch that. It doesn't get me anything there um, that I can really tell who's landing um, because it's choppy. It was sped up. It just sucked. Um Whereas the Crawford Ebenezer, it was an okay stream. Say it was okay, you know. It's still probably on there. You'll see what I mean. It was zoomed in a little too much. That was the problem. Sometimes you miss some punches and stuff. Like I had already seen the the, the clip that you know was on online on Twitter and stuff of him scoring that uppercut knockout. But I just uh, on that one I was watching last night. You couldn't even actually see the punch land when he landed it. So it was kind of a shaky recording of it, to be honest with you. Um, but I got the gist of the fight itself. Um, and some people thought Crawford looked pretty um, like he was just getting rust off or whatever. Or it didn't look all that good. I mean, having watched Crawford's career for so long, how many times in the first few rounds does he look great? Does he look like elite level? Even when he was a contender, first getting on HBO and, and even beyond, I mean, like the Gambo fight. Even Postal, who barely won a round after the first round, you know, won the first round. So, I mean, he usually gets clipped with some shots early, and uh, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, forget it, he knocked him out. You know? And this is kind of how that's, this played out. Um, you know, there was a nice right hand by Bud Early, a nice left hook, um, like a quick little combo, not much there. He definitely won the first two rounds. Um, and I think by the second round, he was already on southpaw. Uh, the right hands to the body, just a little tad busier. Whereas Avanesian was bringing the um, – it was kind of cool. It was a female ref too, by the way, I think. Um, couldn't really see the ref a whole lot with this, this the, the standpoint of the shot was closer saying um but Mo, he just wasn't active enough Avenesian, he was bringing the pressure but he wasn't he, he landed a left hook followed up with the right hand of the body like he did in the second round but it, it wasn't much after that but i'll say this the third round i thought he landed a couple of really nice right hands early in the in there and then he did do some good body work he was actually jabbing with 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 the jab to the body I thought he did pretty good. I actually, I think it could have maybe gave him the third round, potentially. But, yeah, I don't get too caught up in early rounds, unless Crawford's hurt or something like that, you know. But I don't really get caught up too much with him 
not looking great early because he's just done it so many times. In fact, there's times where I thought, you know, I don't think he's an uh, elite defender, to be honest with you, because I've seen him get hit too much. But I remember saying, man, I don't know if he's an elite fighter at the beginning of his career because it was like, damn, dude, he, he gets hit a lot early, you know. But it just it's a trend, dude, and that's what happens. So, um, like the fourth round, Avanesian, little success with the uppercut in the right hand. Closed, you know, he sold the round from him in the fourth round. I thought he closed with harder shots. And then somewhere, I think it was the fifth round, he really started focusing on the uppercut. Going to the body really well, uh, but the right uppercut. You could also see in that fifth round, Crawford starting to pick up the pace. And then I thought, okay, something, you know what I mean? Something's going to happen here. Now, you know, he was kind of in a shell also was Abanesian, but he landed, uh, you know, either straight left hand or a left hook as well. Uh, but then in the sixth round, right, both of Crawford's gloves, like, busted open, whether it was cut open or ripped open or whatever. Um, and you see – We've seen the visuals, right? So he's got his gloves between the ropes, and he's talking to the commissioner, and you can see it there, but then there's pictures after. It's shaky as hell, dude. Um, And much like people say, well, you know, you go to Minnesota, you know, you're probably going to get the commission if there's issues. You might have an issue, like allowing for there to be a WBA judge, basically. That shit was bullshit. Now, the last fight... I didn't agree with everybody as much as they were saying as if it was clearly like he, you could clearly see he was going to get hurt, hurt in that Morell fight. Um, it could have been stopped earlier, but I don't know if that was the commission issue there. But it, it, the, my point is when you go to smaller states or not even just smaller states, but just don't, don't have as much, you know, high level world-class boxing, you run into this and, I just can't, I still can't believe that that shit was, anyway, as far as, you know, um, as far as that round played out, Crawford early in the round was jabbing to the stomach, landed uppercut, um, in a right hook, some right hooks. Uh, Avanesian had a couple of decent lands with both of his hands, and then several uppercuts. I'm talking multiple uppercuts. Um, snapping the neck of Avanesian, and then, you know, the beautiful one-punch uppercut knockout. Um, and it was real calm and collective. It was like, oh, yeah, I did that. And, and Crawford's really developing into a guy, not developing, he developed into a guy that can get the knockouts while they're both punching. And that's not the easiest thing to do. Um, so, yeah, overall, Crawford looked really pretty good. I don't think he looked bad like some people were saying. Now, did I think he looked great? I, I'd be lying if I – I don't think he looked great. But he hasn't been in the ring in almost – was it 13 months or pretty close to it because it was last November, right, that he fought uh, Sean Porter. But Boxing Scene has uh, an article up right now, Everlast takes responsibility for Garber's busted-up gloves in that fight. The self-described leader in professional boxing equipment admitted to bungling the gloves used by him. And, they, you know, they they blamed it on, like, revealing the – so it burst it open and revealed the, 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 the padding 
Um, and here, this is when uh, Lee directed, I think Lee, Lee the, assuming the ref, uh, directed Crawford over the side of the ring where members of the local commission were seated below and asked to take a look. In the broadcast fight, it appeared both gloves were affected with the thumb portion, uh, the right glove totally busted open, which is true. Many of the commissioner, commissioners appeared befuddled, unsure you know, how to process or proceed. I mean, after a few seconds, commission said, yeah, no problem, go ahead. I mean, the shit was fucking... They blamed it on bad leather. Um, noted trainer and glove manufacturer Rush uh, Amber questioned um, the veracity of the f- photography, or f- photograph, excuse me, uh, uh, because it appeared that the gloves weren't new. And he kept, I remember seeing him yesterday or last night um, talking about, hey, are these, is this the picture of the actual gloves that we're talking about here? And basically, the manufacturer owned up to the mishap, saying defective leather was the, was the issue. Um, Everlast pointed out that the, it followed the commission protocol by offering another set of gloves, but the commission in question had deemed the faulty ones were still good. Everlast said there's no foul play tampering and all that stuff. But when you look at the picture, and like I said, I don't know for a fact that that was the actual picture, especially nowadays. You've got to be careful with this. And, you know, I, I saw it last night, saw the picture, started looking into it. Um, and then, you know, I was busy all day and just, just got home and started the show. So I don't know if that actually was. But the, the picture that was going around, first of all, they're, they're clearly, and I don't know if this is true, they're clearly busted open. One of them looked like it was a little burnt, to be honest with you. But you could see it bust open. You could see the padding. But you can also see the actual gloves. They look like training gloves. They, they look dirty. Like they look used. They look, I, like I said, I don't have, I'm just being honest here, I don't have the final. And, you know, like, <laughs> it's kind of crazy because, you know, like he scored a knockout after it, you know. But this is Russ Amber um, Amber on uh, Twitter. He said, can anyone confirm that this is the real, true, accurate picture of his gloves? Um, has this, you know, been the photo been tampered? The gloves in this photo are used gloves. These are not a new pair, and that's my opinion. Uh, and that's not opinion. That's fact, and I can prove it. Um, so, like I said, I can't. 100% talk about those gloves like I know exactly, but the commission obviously dropped the ball. Um, and by the way, side note, 14,006, over 14,000, 14,630 uh, attendance-wise, largest crowd for Crawford, so that was pretty dope. He had been a long time since he had been there. And that other fight I was talking about was that uh, uh, Baez and uh, Kagagi or whatever. I heard it was a split decision. Heard it was a really slow fight. Like I said, I didn't see that one, but yeah, I heard it. I thought that. I mean, it was competitive as it sounds like, but I thought, man, that's going to be a good fight. That's a 50-50 fight. Also, um, Jermaine Milton won on there, beating that big dude. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, James Ballard uh, got knocked out real early by uh, Steve Sokold Nelson on that card. I uh, just saw the highlight of that. Didn't, didn't actually see the actual thing there. Um, so, yeah, I, I I think it was a little over the top 
as far as, oh, he looked horrible. I don't think he looked great. I'll say that. But, uh, yeah, the glove thing, like I said, I'm not here to be like, oh, dude, he, he was cheating, you know. But it's commission, and that was ridiculous. I thought that was super, super ridiculous. I, I couldn't I couldn't fathom it. It was just really weird. It's very, very strange. Um, so, yeah, that is about it from that event. Not going to go too deep into that. Um, but yeah, that, that, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see if he just wanted a tune up, you know, and then he'll go for the winner of Spence Thurman. If that is in, you know, if that is happening, I, I saw, um, Errol Spence got hit by supposedly a 14 year old kid who took his parents' car for a joyride or something, ran right into him. He said he was okay. He was, uh, streaming it on IG, so that's good. His, his car looks really bad, but that that's good. Hopefully he's okay. Uh, sometimes you know nothing serious, but sometimes you can have a strained neck or something. The next day you don't even realize that you have that adrenaline rush, and, and all of a sudden you're like, oh man, my neck's stiff. So hopefully nothing pops up. But he did have that merch that Spence uh, go. You know how the door you knock on the door and there's a blood trail with an axe and all that. Well. He was he had he was knocking on the door of Terrence Crawford and he had a phone like he's waiting he's on the phone he's on the line so does that mean he's saying screw it let's just go right to the fight or does is he still going to do Spence Thurman and then boom then fight him maybe in the summer or something like that or later in the year I don't know but um, let's hope I mean Crawford said he agreed to all their terms but then they drugged their feet in that eighty told him I don't, you know, supposedly told him that, you know, he wanted to fight this year. So hopefully that's it. Because, you know, if you agreed to all the terms and the only problem was that he wanted to fight in November or this year instead of pushing it back a couple more months, okay, that's fair. We could also say, hey, Terrence, why didn't you fight, you know, oh boy, in June, in July? Like, get that out of the way. But it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, He said he agreed to all the terms. It was just they, they drugged their feet, so that's why I dipped. All right, then. Then if you agree to all the terms, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he thought he was going to get a healthy payday. Now, we don't really know exactly how much money he got, but he says $10 million. And he thought, well, between that and then when I'm going to get that, that'll make up for it. Because we know he was asking for at least 20 to $25 million. It was It was reported $22 million. And I, I, when it first reported, I didn't know what to think of that number. Um, but then when you hear that he had an outside investor who he still won't claim, he still won't say who it, what, who it was, but they said they had $25 million for both guys. So then it made it more believable that he was actually asking for that money, uh, which, you know, you can't guarantee Spence or Crawford $20 million for that fight. I, I don't care. All, you know, we don't know what the pay-per-view be, but you can't just go out of the... I think people are getting so used to the Mayweather-Pacquiao and, and Canelo guarantees. That was built up, dude. They didn't just start getting, you know, 30 and 50 and $40 million guarantees out of nowhere. You know, that's proven. Spence can put up numbers, and we know he's a great at the gate, but he hasn't had one go over 500000 yet because he hasn't had that dancing partner that would put you over there. The Pacquiao fight fell through, so... Um, 
And then, you know, it was also reported that he went down to $15 million but wouldn't budge. So, yeah, of course you wouldn't give me even $15 million, to be honest with you. I, I wouldn't. Um, so I'm talking about upfront guaranteed money. Could he make $15 million overall? Maybe, yeah, but not upfront. So that's why they went with that second plan of saying, okay, if you believe you're worth that kind of money, let's do it on percentage. And then you can see what the revenue will be. And, you know, because the big thing he talked about, Crawford, is I didn't have a guarantee. But Spence, almost, Spence also said the way that deal was constructed that he didn't have a guarantee either. Now, I doubt, you know, that they'd have no purse claimed, at, you know, at the athletic commission where it'd be zero purse. I bet you it'd be a few million. But in these type of pay-per-views where no one's a big, big star, that someone's going to get 20 or 30 or 40 million up front. That's how this works, dude. It's a risk. They know they're going to make some money at the gate just to have it stay in Vegas. That's going to be money right there uh, that they'll pay just to have the fight. But, yeah, that's how these fight. It is a little bit of a risk, dude. It is a little bit of a risk when it comes to this pay-per-view that could do 500000 It could do six hundred. It could do 700000 But it's not like – to ask for a number to talk about a $25 million for each guy – Someone's in his ear saying that thing does a million easy. And I just don't think it does a million easy. I mean, it's, it's tough nowadays. But anyway, he didn't look like a horrible past his prime fighter, like some people were saying. That, that, that really kind of sounds like some fanboy spent stuff. Or maybe some people that are so tied up into the PBC they can't blind themselves, just like the anti PBC crowd. Um, but I didn't think he looked bad. I didn't think he looked great, but damn sure. Uh, but yeah, that commission, that shit was wild. That shit was, that was crazy. We will talk to Michelle Rivera and Frank Martin coming up this weekend. Really looking forward to that. And then some fight news out there as well. I mean, God bless, well, I'm not going to say the WBA, but God bless the purse bid taking place and somebody winning it. Actually, Golden Boy Promotions won it just by a hair. Ortiz and Stanonius, baby. Oh, my God. And I know, you know, I actually just got another message. <laughs> yeah, Golden Boy, this is from Jake Donovan. Golden Boy, uh, $2.3 million, outbid TGB 2.1 to secure the rights. And then Oscar, maybe he's already announced it, but I remember him saying that he's going to announce it um, here soon. Because I know it had to take place by, like, January or something. But, dude, that's a bomb-ass fight. And, Imbo, what I was going to say is the second message I've got now that they're saying, oh, Stanonius is going to drop. PBC, Stanonius is going to drop the fight. It's like, dude, this is where I think people – well, the, the word think is right there. It's like there's, like, shortcuts to thinking. That's like an old saying. It's like a shortcut to thinking. Think it through, dude. I mean, go and look what he's going to make in the fight, dude. Like – you really think he's going to drop out? And it did sound like he was going to, before that got called, the WBA called it, it sounds like if you let if you hear Boots and you hear him, it sounds like he was going to fight Boots on the undercard. Wouldn't that be, I mean, Boots and him on the undercard? <laughs> For Crawford, that, it's, that's, that'd be nuts. But go and look how much money he gets out of that. I don't think people understand. He gets the 
bigger side. So he gets the 75%. Dude, he gets $1.7 million for this. Now, Ortiz is going to make more than the 575000 but you really think he's just going to be like, I'm good. And then, or, or PBC is going to offer $1.7 million to fight just a mediocre fighter? I don't think so. Hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, at least I own up to it, right? A lot of people don't own up to it. I'll own up to it, but I would be pretty damn surprised if he did not take this fight. I mean, it just it wouldn't make any sense in the world. Okay, anyway, like I said, we are going to get to some fight news and, and preview and kind of detail. Got a nice breakdown coming up for Riviera and, and uh, Rivera and Martin. But I do want to go ahead and bring in John to the frame here, into the fold to see what he thought of this weekend and some other items here. What's going on, John? How the hell are you, my friend? Good, Chris. I uh, hope you're doing well. Uh, it's great to be here as always. And, um, you know, even though we didn't necessarily have the some of the best fights on paper, um, I did find this past weekend entertaining. I felt like I got some entertainment value out of it. So uh, there are some things worth there, and there was some boxing entertainment um, enjoyed, as always, hearing you go through some things. And, yeah, I'll just throw, throw some of my thoughts on to, you know, what you've talked about. Um, you know, might as well start it in chronological order. Uh, you know, in the afternoon, your your fights from uh, the U.K. and England, you know, the, the Bridges, O'Connell, you mentioned. Um, Ebony Bridges definitely is a strange taste. You know, she's somebody at an advanced age for a bantamweight. Um, you know, uh, she came to boxing late. And, um, you know, she fights a style that normally be good for any older fighter, really in any weight class, and that she seems to somehow have been getting better, and her fights are entertaining. And, you know, of course, you know, she's been criticized for selling herself at times with her looks and that type of thing. But, you know, so it's a strange, it's kind of a strange case all put together that she's gotten to this point where she, she's got entertaining fights, and she seems to be getting better. Um, you know, O'Connell's a, a pretty good fighter. And uh, she started out hurt bridges right off the bat and, you know, turned into an entertaining brawl, which is um, what most of Ebony Bridges' fights are. And, and, you know, but what's surprising about Bridges, especially in these recent fights, is, you know, women are at a disadvantage with getting the KOs with the two-minute rounds. Um, but Bridges throws a lot of punches and seems to be punching with more authority and you know, she got a, yeah, she's she got a, always a on the attack, isn't she? Always on the attack. <laughs> yeah, she's always on the attack, and she got a knockout, which you know there just aren't as many in the women's game, you know, largely I think because they're at the disadvantage with the two minute round. So, you know, it's it's big for that reason. That, you know, not, what I'm saying is not because they're women; it's because you're at the disadvantage with the two minute rounds. You have less time to work with, and the opponent has more chance to survive, and. You know, she she got a, she got another stoppage, so uh, against a against a solid fighter in an entertaining fight. So that, you know that's that's kind of a surprise. Um, Felix Cash on that card, he looked terrible again. Um, you know, I, I think it was even worse than you were kind of alluding to. I mean, seventy seven seventy five over Journeyman, 
who only had two KOs and can't crack an egg. In the fight before that, he fought, fought a guy who had a very low KO percentage, um, who gave him hell, had him down twice, as you mentioned, uh, early and late. And I don't think the guy's a legit top 10 fighter. You know, he, he's got supporters who on the way up were touting him and, and saying, oh, you know, I really like this guy and really like going. And it seems to me that they just don't want to acknowledge what's been going on with him because these are the only two fights he's had in the last two years as well. So, you know, we've got a guy who's only looked terrible over two years against fighters who basically are just journeymen, journeyman level. And, you know, you, you got people still wanting to tout him as a top 10 contender. Uh, I don't see it. So now they're resting on, well, Bentley went the distance with Alakonwuli and, uh, you know, Cash stopped Bentley. Well, you know, he, he did stop Bentley, but, you know, now, like I said, you know, there are these times where you have to take a look at the, these triangle-type theories, as people like to call them. Or for me, it's just comparing, you know, common opponents and trying to get an idea. I think you do do it. So I, I don't think you, you don't do it in the case of Cash, just like I would anybody else. But I do agree that that's not – it's not binding. And, you know, now to say you know, this guy's looked like garbage for the last two years, basically – and to now rest on this Bentley fight, uh, just because Bentley happened to go the distance with Alam Kalula, you know, um, he didn't really come close to winning the fight. I don't think valid. I, and, you know, I agree with you, too, and what some other people that have said, and, you know, I even saw, you know, a couple of people in the U.K., and I don't think they're wrong about this. Then they're saying, well, you know, Ammo Williams hasn't always looked all that special either. And, and I agree with that. He, he's looked up and down at times, too. But I'm I'm going to compare. I'm looking at his results and what I've seen of him compared to what I've seen of Cash, and I think Ammo Williams is going to take this guy out. Um, so I think, as you pointed out, it, it was kind of unique that Ammo Williams was in the commentary. And he was being honest. I mean, it doesn't yeah. mean he's automatically going to beat Cash, but I do think what he was saying about him in the commentary was accurate. I mean, it it, it was correct. It was spot on. And, it was, and it was good to hear because, eh, what the heck, it's worth throwing in now because we're talking about commentary. Um, and I'm seeing some people start to say it in the U.S. and the U.K. You know, in the, now that, you know, since since uh, the zone came to the U.K., now in these fights, even from the U.K., in the U.S., we're getting the U, the, U, the, the zone U.K. commentators a lot. And, you know, the Costello... People touted him, you know, longtime British commentator, but but he is just too biased. Uh, and then, you know, Andy Lee's a disappointment. I mean, um, you know, all the time he spent with Emmanuel Stewart at Cronk, who I consider a boxing genius, and, you know, he even lived with him for a long period of time, and, you know, he was a top fighter himself. And, you know, he speaks pretty well and everything, but, like, what comes out of Andy Lee's mouth <laughs> in the fights, it's just, like, it's biased. It's not really very good. And I'll mention this because, you know, they, they have Barry Jones on there since they've been doing this as well. And he was not on Saturday and he's good. You know, I mean, he's from the UK, you know, he was a, he was a, he was a top fighter in the lighter weights, you know, back years ago. And, and he's good and he's more candid and his analysis is really good. So uh, I, I'm starting to miss when he's not on there, you know, when we're seeing this, these DAZN broadcasts from the UK. 
and you got Costello and Lee, and then who you know whoever else they throw in there, and they got Bellu on the scorecards. Now I did think Bellu was a little better this weekend, but. It's getting a little bit, you know, and we can get annoyed at different commentators and ones we like and at different times. And sometimes I find it even changes. <laughs> some of them you like for a while, then you don't like, and then some of them you don't like for a while, and, and then, then you like what they're doing. So uh, I'll just give my broadcast commentary on that while we're at it. Um, you know, it was kind of funny seeing Ammo in there for the reasons we're talking, that he was just being candid and especially who he was in there with, uh, that that made it kind of even more entertaining. Um, so then you had the main event, Lopez and uh, Warrington. I think we both picked Lopez for the upset, and uh, it's tough to pick underdogs, like I said. And I don't mean picking underdogs when you have these clowns who just pick an underdog every time until one finally hits and they say, I got it right. That's That's not really picking an underdog. I mean, when you're trying to pick the right ones, like we do, you know, you're going to get some wrong. And it's tough because, you know, like I've said, and it's worth pointing out again, there, there's people out there that, that claim they're pro, pro, prognosticators and, and they'll never pick an underdog. You know, you they just give you what the odds make, what the right. odds makers give you. Even sometimes if you look and you did the round breakdown, I, I laugh to myself. It, it's actually, they're supposed to be these big prognosticators. They've just picked what the odds makers picked exactly. And I'm not saying – it's You'll almost like that. I mean, it's, guessing the score with the over/under. Yeah, I think it's gonna be twenty-six to twenty-three, and you just kind of line it up. Exactly, Chris. Exactly. And look, that's gonna be right most of the time because the odds makers are always sure. right more than everybody else. So foolish to look at that. It's actually smart. But if if all, these people who call themselves prognosticators, when then that's all they do. Right, they're not I mean, coming you're up. You're not with giving you. me anything. You're not, you're not giving me anything. What are you giving me? I can just read the odds for that. I mean, if you said, even though it ended up being, but a lot of people said it. Like, if you said Inouye KO2 this morning, which is exactly the way the odds makers handicapped it, if you, if you read into all the lines and the round props and everything, okay, that didn't turn out. Even the odds makers aren't right every time, but they're right more than you. But, I mean, that's like what you get, like, so if somebody, these people that all come out, they say Inui KO2, I could read the odds and, and say Inui KO2. I mean, so it doesn't mean you never pick what the odds makers pick. That that would be foolish as well. But, like, if, if every time you're just in line with exactly what the odds makers say, you're, you're not giving me anything. So, look, we're, we're wrong just like everybody else. Is, everybody else is wrong. Nobody can predict the future exactly. But we got another underdog pick right with Lopez. Right. Well, we admit that wanted, he didn't get knocked out. Right, we admit that they, he didn't right. score a knockout. Okay, that's fair. No, and I thought I thought he'd score a knockout, and he, he didn't score a knockout, and that's why I was a little bit disappointed. So that that is what I was getting to as well. Right, is Lopez. You know, hey, it's an underdog. He's fighting in the UK. You got to give him credit, and he was still an underdog, and he did, he stayed an underdog going in. Um, at the odds I was looking at right going literally into fight time. I mean, he he did end up being a remaining a slight underdog, even though more a lot more money came in on him. So he was an underdog going in. He got the win. You know, you got to credit him for that. But with that said, um thought we would see more like you and I talked. Like, you know, when he when he fought Gabe Flores, he kind of had those wide swings like he had in the fight with Warrington. But, like, as the fight got late against Gabe Flores, he was getting there more with those wide swings because, you know, fatigue was setting in on Flores later in the fight. And he was wearing them down. 
you know, this was kind of bizarre. Like Josh Warrington, who's not a puncher, rallied in, in the late rounds and actually hurt Lopez. And Lopez slowed up dramatically. Now, I know he hadn't gone that far before, but still, I, I, I thought he would be more of a guy that, you know, would, would wear you down more and uh, then start getting in those wide shots more accurately, which I, I definitely thought he won the fight. I thought it was a clear win, but um, he just he wasn't quite as impressive as I thought he'd be, even though he was an underdog. So I think we got to look at that in the future. Uh, top rank just about immediately after the fight said they're going to have him fight Conlon next. Yeah. You know, Conlon got an easy win on the weekend against a yeah, guy. Yeah, he got an easy win. I forgot very, to mention that too. Thanks, uh, thanks for who didn't even want to be there. Who didn't even want to be there though? I mean, a guy who yeah, just, true. You know, who basically laid down. I mean, you got to you got to say what you saw, and that was one round where somebody just laid down. So, uh, you know. I mean, I think Lopez, I still pick him over Conlon, and I think you'll probably by knockout. But, like, when you start, when I'm looking at, like, and this might not happen because, you know, it was one of those deals. Sometimes it will happen because of an alphabet thing, and then sometimes I think it's overrated. You know, the promoters still kind of make the calls and do what they want. You know, in other words, if they want, like you were talking about Stanonis and Ortiz, I still think, you know, people overrate the alphabet stuff. Like, like for example, when when Gia recently they they made decisions they didn't want these alphabet fights and they didn't happen. And even though we'll talk like, oh, you know, it's only Mungia, it, it's other fighters too. And I don't even blame them. I mean, I, I don't care what the alphabets say. I mean, I want to see good fights, yes, but I mean, it, it doesn't have to come through the alphabets. And I think really it doesn't. I mean, I think a lot of times, you know, here and there, but but a lot of times, look, if the promoters want it, if if it's proposed and they want it then they'll let it happen and, you know, they'll make it happen. But if, if they don't want it, they're not going to go along with it. Um, so, so getting back to, I think, you know, like Laura and Lopez, I mean, if Laura's really fighting with Shroom and, you know, Lopez is with top rank, um, kind of got to give top rank credit there to kind of picking up and staying with the guy. And now look, you know, he beat Warrington but 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 you know, Conlon's associated with top rank as well, and I think that you know that'll be easier to make. They can put that on ESPN in the U.S. They've got some U.S. investment in Conlon, not as heavily recently, but they they have enough over time that you know. And Lopez has been on ESPN here as well, regular ESPN. I could see that. I think Lopez will win that. But like in theory, if you know Lopez was going to fight like a, a Mauricio Lara or some of the other tougher fighters around that weight. What I saw um, Saturday, he's, he's going to have some trouble. He's going to, he's going to have some trouble. I mean, being some good, good brawls, but uh, I think he's going to have some trouble there, but still you got to give the guy credit. Even with the criticisms going over to the UK, uh, I thought he clearly won the fight. Um, A lot of people talking about how dirty Warrington is fighting. I mean, yeah, I saw that in some other fights. You know, I'm not saying there weren't moments in this one, but I tend to be on the side of, you know, Lopez was kind of going a little too far on this one. I mean, you know, and look, he was fading in at the end. Like, you got to fight, you know. I mean, you know, he, he did kind of get carried away at the end with complaining to the referee and not focusing on his game. And, yep. and you know, you know, it almost cost him 
much more than I thought. Now, he clearly won the fight. I want to keep emphasizing that because I just didn't think there was a good case for Warrington winning the fight. I mean, you know, Lopez won the fight, but he let Warrington come on. Still, good upset win uh, going over to the U.K. Got to give him credit there. And the guy's a good fighter. But, you know, Warrington coming on at the end surprised me a bit. I've got to give Warrington some credit there just because, frankly, I didn't expect it out of him. I thought thought he'd be worn down and out and be out of there or not coming on late. And uh, he did come on late in this fight, so i got to give him credit there. Uh, then, you know, the top-ranked show um, Saturday night, I um, I liked – I tell you, I, I just got a good feel about that whole show, just kind of – I don't know. I haven't seen a rating number on it yet, but just, just being on the regular ESPN with some good prospects – but in better fights than we would normally see them, particularly I'm looking at like Anderson fighting Forrest and, uh, you know, Keyshawn uh, Davis in, in, um, in his fight, you know, those, those were, um, those were fights that were, you know, we should see, see guys with those steps ups. I think, I mean, I think there's been moments in the past where you've seen it here and there, but not that much lately. And it, it was refreshing to see that and then putting it on regular basic cable where people could see it. I mean, and I know that was top ranks idea, but I, I liked the idea. So uh looked like there was a pretty good crowd at the garden. Just I'm speaking of that just for like atmosphere as much as anything, because TV just drives everything nowadays. And that's the real money driver and things. It's not that you don't make money from the gate, but it's not going to drive things like the old days. So uh, I think you always got to keep that in mind because I think there are a lot of people that confuse it. But I, I like it for the atmosphere, the historic boxing location. Um, and, you know, Anderson, I love the way he took care of business. Um, Keyshawn Davis, even though for his as few of the fights he had, and he looks good, um, I did agree for a moment there. And, and then some he was getting pushed back. But that part I did agree with Bradley a little bit that, even with that step up, I still don't think he ignored that he that he couldn't get him out of there. Um, it doesn't mean that necessarily Keyshawn Davis isn't going to be great or something like that. I'm not saying that. I love how he's stepping up early and things like that. But I did agree with Tim Bradley there, just in the simple sense that I don't think he ignore it. You know, as we're as we're still evaluating, um, I don't ignore that. And then even though you know Davis is a lightweight, you know, just naturally you're not going to be punching as hard as heavyweights. I, I like the way Anderson, you know, he got hit. And, and this was kind of a good, we, you and I have talked about these tests where I say like, sometimes the guy gets credited. Like I, I just thought it wasn't a credit when Joshua got dropped by a 41 year old Klitschko who was coming off a dreadful loss to fury and off 17 months. And there's other examples like that, not just Joshua. You know, there, there's, there's plenty of them and throughout boxing history. Um, I, like far, like Forrest tried to get on Jared Anderson early, and it was legit. I didn't think Forrest was looking to sell out and just get knocked out. I think he thought, "Hey, I've got more experience. I've been in a lot better guys, been in with a lot better guys than Anderson. I'm gonna, I'm gonna test him right off the bat." And you know, Anderson got hit. Like he, he didn't get wobbled or go down or like fold up or you know get into all kinds of dire trouble. He came right back and unloaded on Forrest and ended up getting Forrest out of there in more decisive fashion than he's ever been taken out. Um, and, you know, the guy had just been the distance in recent times with Pulev, draw with Hunter, um, 
you know, Zhang. He he had a you know draw with Zhang. I mean, uh, you know, so you know, to calm, he went the distance with. So I, I think you know this was really some people kind of then like downplaying. I, I don't think you downplay this one. I mean, this this was a big statement by Anderson. Um, I think you know speculating. I, I figured he was already probably there. I'm certain he's there now. I mean, there, there's guys in the top ten he can be. I mean, that's not that's not a stretch. Now, this he is to me though, probably at a level still where you're going to make some distinction there. Like, would would I want you know, like in theory, you know, and, and really top rank does have access to these kind of fights in theory as well. Like, you know, I wouldn't want him in with Tyson Fury right now. You know, I, I wouldn't want him in with Usyk in his next fight. You know, I, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd even want him in with Joe Joyce just yet, but like Dillian White, I mean, he takes Dillian White out tomorrow. Um, you know, guys like that. I mean, that that's, he, he wins those fights. I mean, you saw White, you know, in with Franklin, um, you know, he, you know, White's legit top 10 right now. I mean, he, he, he takes White out. I don't have any problem saying that. So I think it's too far the other way to say, Oh, this guy, whoa, he's not ready for a top 10 guy yet. No, he he's ready. And, you know, we saw Dubois in his last fight. I think Anderson, you know, that turns into a shootout. I think, you know, Dubois getting laid out. Um, that's another fight they could make if they wanted to. Um, you know, so, you know, now Dubois is not quite legit top ten at this point. He's not too far off. But, I mean, you know, guys on the edge like Bacoli. Now, would I put him in like Frank Sanchez might might give him trouble at this point and, you know, might might be a little too savvy for him. Um, that would be a guy on the, uh, you know, just just into the top ten that might be, but that, he's a PBC, you know, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, the the winner of this Ajagba um, Rivas fight coming up. Now they're not legit top ten at this point, but Rivas has been on the edge before. You know, that would be good, but I but I do think he, you know there are top ten guys that Jared Anderson can beat at this point. Now I don't think you're going to put him at the very upper echelon just yet, but. I don't. I don't think he's too far away, and you know the Amer- he's certainly the, the best American heavyweight since Wilder. And what's going to ultimately end up being the interesting thing is going to be you know now Wilder's nearing the end, Anderson's at the beginning. But even outside of them fighting each other, you know they're with different promotional entities, which always gets in the way. But just just kind of looking career-wise, you know, is Jared Anderson going to be able to you know surpass? the level that Deontay Wilder got to in his career or, you know, is Wilder going to prove to have been better? I think that's going to be something interesting. We're going to be probably talking about a lot in the upcoming years. So uh, good performance by Anderson there. Now the main event pretty polarizing the way it turned out. Um, So I think it's probably just easy for me to say right off. And you and I can talk about it, Chris, about our different takes on it. I, I mean, I, I am in that camp, and it, it seems pretty, pretty, almost evenly divided. But, but I'm in the camp that, you know, I kind of said it too. Like, you know, you and I talked about Sandra Martin against Mikey Garcia, and you know, I, I said I felt like, yeah, okay, you, you gave Sandra Martin and the, the decision in that fight. I didn't really argue with it, but I felt like, you know, Mikey Garcia went the distance with this guy and felt like this guy's not doing anything to me. He's not really doing anything. And he, he probably really did think he won the fight. Um, 
you know, that, that Martin's not very aggressive. He, he just kind of spoils and he wants to defend. And, you know, I, I think we saw that again. Yeah. Did, did he get a, did he get an official knockdown that was kind of like a cuff, but yeah, you, you could call it a knockdown officially. Sure. Could maybe even another one have been called. Yeah. But you know, Tio Lopez is not a high output guy. That's actually one of his flaws. And he greatly outpunched Martin, you know, throughout this fight, you know, trying yeah. to make a fight. Um, you know, Martin is just too defensive for me. I'm not saying defense is not a part of boxing, but, you know, look, like I said, I'm in the camp. You know, there's people that are going to be in the camp and say Martin is doing this savvy boxing job and thought he did against Mikey Garcia as well. I mean, this, this guy doesn't do a lot of fighting. Percentage is 24 more punches you know, around but, throw. 24 punches, right. 244 punches in 10, uh, in 10 rounds. Right. And you talk about, you know, his KO percentage is very well. He's only got 12 knockouts. So then his, his boosters keep on going, oh, the knockdowns, the knockdowns. You know, I was thinking about this, Chris, before um, I came on tonight, because I do think it's a good analogy, even though it was a different type of fight. And, and it, the way it happened was a bit different, but really the kind of punch it was wasn't different. Like, you know, Marvin Hagler only got officially knocked down once in his entire career, and it was against Juan Domingo Rodan in a fight that was a good brawl, but it was a punch that really, like, like even I, I was watching that fight live all those years ago, and even then you were like, yeah, that's an official knockdown, but, you know, you, you know Hagler wasn't hurt at all. It, it, it just was like a cuffing thing. I mean, it did nothing to him, and it goes on his ledger as an official knockdown. Like, like these knockdowns were, or, or it was only one officially in this fight. But even if the, the Martin Martin boosters want to talk about the second one that they say wasn't called, I mean, it was like that. Like these, these, these it was not like like Camposos, who's not a big puncher, but he caught you know with a good shot, legit knockdown. You know what I mean? Like a knockdown, like it stunned him for a moment. I mean, I mean, even if these were, even if you claim both of these were official knockdowns, should have been official knockdowns, you're, 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 you're just getting into really a technical scoring. In other words, I mean, Lopez wasn't hurt. They did nothing to him. He's, he's trying to chase a guy down who doesn't want to fight. Um, let, let's not get carried away as to what they were, you know. Um, so, I mean, I thought Lopez won the fight. I mean, you know, I, I know where these Martin people who want to make an argument for him are coming from, you know, uh, just on your your basic official scoring criteria, the way people do it nowadays. And why I say nowadays, Chris, is you've been watching boxing long enough to remember this as well, too. And, and it never was an official thing. It just became unofficial part of the boxing culture. And I do it now when I'm scoring because it just became part of it. But you go back 25, 30, 40 years with the 10-point must system in the pros i mean it used to be when there was a knockdown like martin got there would be a time there was a time in those times where if lopez won the rest of the round you gave lopez the round 10-9 and said that was nothing i mean that's true you that know, is true i mean that's just a fact and that's like forgotten now but i, I mean i'm you, you're right i'm not pulling things out all you got to do is watch fights from from those past errors I mean, and it never, there was never like an official change or anything. It just started becoming where, okay, that, uh, there's been a knockdown. We automatically make that a 10-8. So like I'm saying in not too far by on eras of boxing, those kind of 
I mean, those might have been like 10-10 rounds or, you know, 10-9 Lopez or something like that. Or if you gave them to Martin, they they might have even only been 10-9. That's more recent where we started doing this. Anytime there's any type of knockdown whatsoever, we're making it a 10-8 for the guy that got the knockdown, despite whatever happened the rest of the round. So, you know, again, that's where boxing gets into. So, yeah, there's no way that you can be 10-9, like in a 10-point must system. A lot of people are just allergic to be like, well, actually, it's 10-9 because I thought it was a, you know, I I didn't think. Well, I know you can't go 9-9 or whatever like you used to be able to do either, but in more tie rounds, we've talked about that in the past. But, yeah, you're right. That is true. That did happen more. Or at least people would more like, all right, let's see how the rest of this plays out, you know. Right, right. So I'm just saying I'm not I'm not saying people were doing that now. I'm not saying, you know, judges are doing that nowadays, but I'm just saying, like, that, you know, let's not overestimate what happened in the fight. This, this was not a knockdown like Camboso scored on Lopez. Just make sure that people don't think I'm just – only defending, you know, Tiafimo Lopez. I mean, you know, he, he got dropped by Cambosos, who's not a, hasn't really proven to be a big puncher, and that was a clean, legit, you know, knockdown where he stunned him. Um, so I just don't think Martin was doing much. I, I don't think he deserved to win the fight. Um, I thought, you know, did Lopez look spectacular? No. Now, the part, like you said, Chris, you got to admit parts like where you're wrong about something. Like, where for me, where I just felt like part I felt like a little bit wrong about this fight was like I thought that I I, I actually perfectly did expect Martin might fight like this after seeing him with the Garcia fight, but I thought Lopez would just be able to you know somehow still get on him and and get him out of there, but he was not able to do that obviously. But but one thing I thought he didn't get credit for was. You know, they automatically said Martin's nose for, was from the head clash earlier. I don't know if that was definitive, but let's say, let's even say for the sake of argument that it was from the head clash. He was also had some cuts. He, he was busted up some. Um, so, you know, Lopez, I didn't think was getting credit for that, you know, from commentary or, or, or fans post-fight. I mean, he was busting the guy up some. He just didn't quite get to the point where the guy was ready to go and get him out of there. But I think that was a lot because he was being so defensive. And even though I think Martin is a better boxer than Paul Butler, I actually thought after watching that fight today that, that those two maybe tie in more than people would think. Like, you know, even if, and I'm not saying he's not, like even even in a way being pound for pound a better fighter than Tiafimo Lopez, look, look at look at the trouble he had getting a guy out of there who just didn't want to engage, didn't want to fight. Now, you know, nobody was giving Butler any rounds, including me. Um, so you could say, well, Martin, but, you know, in a way he throws with more volume than Tio Lopez. Yes. But like, I'm just saying like, you know, Martin to me, I mean, he wasn't doing a heck of a lot more than like a Paul Butler. I mean, so you know, in a way, ended up taking 11 rounds. Good way to tie that into. He, he took 11 rounds to get him out of there this morning. And he probably, I thought it wouldn't matter because of the talent gap, you know, in a way being a minus 8,000 favorite going in. But looking at it after watching the fight, in a way having trouble making weight. Look, he's a human being as good as he is, just like anybody else. 
he knows Butler's not a threat. He wasn't in his great shape. And then when the guy just doesn't want to fight, it took him 11 rounds to get the guy out of there. So I think I'm looking at that Lopez performance. Um, I think one thing, Chris, I, I think, you know, this, this is the way you feel. I've, you and I have talked about it a lot. And I think you and I have been saying it a lot, but I don't hear other people saying it, which is this. Like, Cambosos did win that fight against, you know, Teofimo Lopez. And Teofimo Lopez probably wasn't in the best shape either for that fight. Um, but he did come on in the second half of that fight and almost had Cambosos out of there. It, it just seems oh, yeah. like people kind of forget that. He like, tightened so that fight right up. So here would be my argument for Teofimo Lopez that I think he's really getting dumped on. I think people are missing. And I think some of it, not all of it, it's, not, it's definitely not all of it, but there's a faction of it is Lomachenko dead-enders who don't want to accept that their guy just got beat, um, which is – I think this is the way you and I, I don't, I, you know, I want to hear your thoughts on the Martin fight too, because this is kind of the way I'm looking at it, that at least on the part you and I are looking at it with Cambosis, it fits to me, is if, I mean, I could make an argument that Tiafimo Lopez really only had a bad six rounds against Cambosos in all his recent action, and people are writing him off. <laughs> and I think that that's crazy, you know, when he's got a clear win over Lomachenko, um, because with the Sander Martin thing, this guy did not want to do a lot of fighting. I mean, now, of course, Bob Arams, Lopez's promoter, he blasted Martin, said the guy didn't want to fight. You know, then, then he got the pushback, but Randy Gordon did too, you know, who was editor of The Ring, you know, has the show on Sirius XM, um, you know, also was the New York State Athletic Commissioner. He got He got – a lot of people then were blasting him when he just tweeted it out. But, you know, can be an argument made for this. He said, you know, this, this dude just wanted to run, you know, Martin. This guy, this guy didn't want to fight. I don't want to see this guy again. And a lot of people were outraged. But I put this out to anybody listening to the podcast. Um, you know, and, Chris, I'll put it out to you, too, because I was curious about your thoughts on this, and I want to hear your thoughts about the Lopez-Martin. But, like, look, even though I'm not saying – you know, after fighting Mikey Garcia and Lopez, you know, you don't put him maybe legit top ten. You do, but but with that even understood, do you want to see Sandor Martin fight again? Are you like saying I got to see the next Sandor Martin fight, or I want to see him against against other top one hundred forty patterns? Like like you're dying to see pro gray Sandor Martin? I'm not. I mean, I mean am I crazy? I, I'm, I don't want to see Sandor Martin. Uh, against uh, Regis Progray or, you know, Josh Taylor. Do you want to see Josh Taylor, Sander Martin? I don't want to see that. Yeah, I mean, I just thought, he, like you said, I didn't think it was uh, – it's just too defensive, like you said. I don't know if i call it running because he didn't – he wasn't in a constant motion throw enough, so therefore too defensive. For sure. I mean, when you when you only throw 24 punches around, I think that some people get lost in the guy is skilled. He just needs to punch a little more because people kind of forget if you're going to be that defensive, you have to, we've talked about this over time, you have to make a dent in the compu box then. You have to, you have to outland a guy, almost double him up on shots almost, to show, hey, he barely touched me, and you saw all my clean punching. Now, did I 
throw 80 punches around? No. I mean, how many times did Floyd Mayweather throw 80 punches in one round? Not a whole lot. But you knew he won the round because it was clear, whether it's pot shots, steady jab, jab, you know, whatever, setting stuff up. He was, and he was very defensive, but he was more active. And if we're not talking, you know, it kind of comes back to the same argument. We're not talking throw 80, 100 punches, but you threw 24 punches in a per round base. So, yeah, too defensive. I don't think he was running quite like that guy from last week who the second half of the fight in a fight he probably could have won, <laughs> ran and didn't throw yeah. it all. Like the We've movement, seen some bad stuff I thought, in the last... but I did think he was too defensive. I, I really do. I think he needs to up that a little bit, and then I would like to see him in something else because he is a quality fighter. But you're right; these, these things don't. I don't know. It does. Uh, it, it. I don't know. It's like it's not like we're totally disrespecting this guy because I, I don't think we are. But to say that, you know, he threw enough punches in the fight. I think that's crazy, too. And looking at it, and this is over 10 rounds again, I'm looking at the copy box from his last fight with, or second to last fight, I suppose, with, with Garcia. It's crazy, and I guess I didn't realize it, but and that just shows you how bad Garcia was that night. He threw, he threw less punches in that fight, 231. He threw 231 punches in 10 rounds. Wow, yeah, I'm not totally shocked. I'm not totally shocked. I'm not totally shocked though because no, you're right. Right, it shouldn't the guy, be. <laughs> the guy's defensive. The, the guy's defensively skilled, but the guy just doesn't really do anything yeah. in there. And and he and again, let, let's let's not be phony. Let's look at the quote knockdowns for what they were, even if they were official knockdowns. Right. And I'm yep. I'm not saying that they might not have been. I'm not. I'm actually not saying that. Oh but sure. Just, let's but be nobody honest. was. Nobody's let's, legs were having issues, there was nobody buzzed or anything right. like that. Right. I'm just saying, let's be honest about what they were. That's all I'm saying there. You know, Lopez was not hurt one iota. So, you know, yeah, the guy, he just doesn't, he just doesn't do enough. I mean, you know, if, if he was just waiting, laying back and, and, you know, he had some kind of one punch bomb power or something like that, but yeah. uh, he doesn't, you know, he, he's got 12 KOs. You know, in all, in all those fights he's got, uh, so yeah, he and I agree. You're right. I'm, I'm kind of kind of getting on him a little more tonight, but you're right. Just after the fight, my my view of it was just as you categorized it. I mean, the guy just doesn't do enough. I mean, he just doesn't do enough offensively. So uh, I don't I don't and you know I've told before my philosophy on that is where I think the effective aggression comes from in scoring is if we're going to have a sport, you know, boxing is the toughest sport, the most brutal sport. I mean, it, it just, it is, you know, but we have it and, and there's reasons we like it, but with that understood, um, to have a sport, you know, you, you, you got to have that. Cause what I've always said, and I'll say it again, because I do think this was another example of it with Martin and Lopez. And, and this is what I think people who back guys who fight like Martin don't get, because this could happen. I mean, like, what if Tio, Tiafimo Lopez decided to not worry about the entertainment value and possible criticism and things like that? And he just, when he saw Martin doing what he was doing, he said, I'm just going to stand back here and, and poke with a jab and throw an occasional lead right and see if this guy starts coming forward, which we know he won't. 
So the crowd's booing. Nobody's getting anything. You know, nothing's happening in the rounds. I mean, what, what kind of sport do you have? And that literally could happen. I mean, frankly, this morning was another example. If if Butler was just, you know, had, had – was was all he was just all covered up and was just moving all around the ring and in a way which well why he was able to clown like he was later in the fight doing the Roy Jones and doing the Ali shuffle which was funny because right. that's how bad it was um, but but he was able to do that because like in other words it's an example of what I'm saying is that guy's not going to come at you he's not going to do anything so what if in a way again, not caring about entertainment value or anything like that or his own status as an entertainer. He just said, well, I'm going to, you know, he, he's got a good jab. We know in a way he's got a good jab. He, he said, I'm just going to throw my jab out at this guy and I, I'm not going to chase him down. I mean, what, what kind of sport, you know, what kind of sport do you have? Um, you, you don't have one. You, you don't have one that anybody's going to want to watch or any fans are going to want to pay for. So I think you need that benefit to the aggressor. I, I think you really have to give it, and it's called effective aggression. So I, I think you have to, I think you have to interpret that so, somewhat liberally, and you you got to give benefit of the doubt to the aggressor if if they're effective at all. And I think Lopez was, you know, you know he was effective enough. It wasn't perfect or always pretty or anything, but he was effective enough. And just like in a way, that's why you know I'm not giving any rounds to Butler today. I mean, and nobody nobody should have been. Um, because you know he just he just wasn't just wasn't doing enough. He was just being being too defensive. But uh, you, you can't you can't keep having performances like that. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's just the sport has enough things to deal with. And you know that's another thing that's that's been lost. It's kind of rough, but in and not too long ago. See, I'm not going way back. I'm talking about like at least for us, somewhat recent. I mean, if you're younger, I understand if we're talking 20 years ago, uh, you know, that might be, uh, be, you know, at the time you were born or uh, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, but where, where the referee would just come in, you know, you, you had a guy, possibly even frankly, like a Martine or a Butler today, and uh, the referee would say, hey, come on, you got to fight, you got to fight, and then, you know, he would keep cautioning it, cautioning them, and then if they didn't say, I'm going to disqualify you. I mean, you, you don't, you don't, you're not seeing that anymore. And you know, these yeah, fights, it's very rare. Are very rare. These are reminders of, you know, it, it may seem rough and kind of brutal, but it, again, if you're going to have the sport of boxing, for reminded that there. Hey, Martin may have won the fight if the ref did that. You know what I mean? If he would have just said, "Hey, dude, throw yeah. some more," he may have turned out winning hey. this fight. And once in a while, you would see that in the old days. Once in a while, you would see it. You know, it would be the exception, but yeah, you would see then the guy start start picking it up, and he doesn't want to get DQ'd, and all of a sudden you have a you have a fight on your hands. Um, but yeah, you you used to see it. You just you just rare you just rarely see it. I mean, that's another thing that just kind of I don't know how it it got by the wayside. It just kind of kind of fell out of favor. But there there might still be a place for it. Yeah, and you know, I mean. You're right about the Lopez thing because we've seen him with how it looks better when he has a, a different trainer in there. So there's always hope of yeah. that. But if he doesn't have a new trainer, that's where the negativity for me just lingers because he he does have a basic attack that is like rinse and repeat. If there's a certain guy, and of course, you know, the style he was fighting, 
the guy was moving and being defensive. We all know that. But, like, he has to – it's like he depends on timing or pot shots or a counter. You know, he has some foot – you know, good footwork, but other times he's just basic. Like, when he has to cut out the ring and the guy's not stationary – and for everyone, that's a little harder. We get it. But he just – its his game plan and strategy, he just doesn't seem to mix it up much of late. And it's like, dude, you need a new head trainer, like we've been saying. And, and it's its still there. And, and then when you see that stuff, him asking the question to himself, you know, to his team, do I still got it? It is – that part of it, the outside of the ring and the mental state, in that camp is still just so insecure and I don't know. It's, it just doesn't bode well for the future. If he remains in that same camp, you know, because I just don't well, he, believe in him. True. You know, that's the only problem I have with saying, Hey, he could beat eight out of the 10 top 140 pounders, you know, back in October, uh, 2020, would I have said that? Yeah, probably. But right now, it just doesn't feel right by saying it because it's like I don't know, dude. Yeah, he did. He did look a lot better when Gamash was in there. I mean, and that that is has been a shame that you know he he looked a lot better with Gamash. You had a good match up there in terms of how he looked, and then Gamash is gone, and he you know he he just he just hasn't looked as good. And one thing. You're right. You, you did sum him up well. And then the one problem he's got, you're right. Even when you look at his best performances, he's low volume. He's not a high, he's not a high volume guy. So he's got good offensive skills, speed and power. But like you said, he, he, he likes to look to counter a lot of times too, even with the big shots. And you can't do that against somebody like Martin, who's, who's just not going to, he's not going to advance. He's not going to, not going to punch much. Um, and then, you know, Lopez is, if you look himself, yeah, he's low volume. So you can't, yeah, you can't go into fights with him and count on a high volume, and that is, that is a problem for him. Um, he, he did look better with Gamash, so that's a totally legitimate point. Um, it doesn't seem like it's, it's probably enough with his father training him. but And from what you heard, it seemed like it was money, um, that they just didn't want to. Right. Hey, Gamash. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, you know, which hey, it, it, you know, there's a business aspect too. But um, sure, he, what we can say is with results. He he did, he did look better with, um, he did look better with Gamash. And you know, Gamash has done well with, uh, you know, he he worked with Wallen too. So, um, you know, Valine, he he he's done some he's done some good work. You know, he's done some good work lately. Um, so I, I liked the matchup, but it doesn't look like we're going to see that anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's it's somewhere in there. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, the thing, the funny thing about money, though, is, John, wasn't he the one telling us he's going to do 2 million pay-per-view buys and, and, and Mayweather and Logan Paul are going to have to bump off his June date and all this dumb stuff. So it's like, well, hey, if you were going to do 2 million buys, I mean, money shouldn't be an issue then. You know, it's just... It's just so, I don't know. Like, you know how they say the professional sport or even from high school to D1, D1, the mental game has to just continue to be sharp. Not just sharp, but you have to have it, and it's so much more mental. And it, this is a perfect example of it. 
because this guy is a top – there's a top 10 pound-for-pound pound fighter in this guy's body and in his head, but right now he's in his head, you know? So it's, it's, it's scary, man. You're right. It is said right, – you're right. They've always said that when you're going to Division One football. That's, that's one I remember way back, and, yeah, it, it is a good uh, – it is a good analogy. Um, there are concerns there. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying there's not concerns there. Uh, I got curious, so I'm, I'm checking this. You might have already seen this today, but I didn't. Um, apparently, the. Uh, but you know, for, yeah. for what we've been now, this is getting pretty good. Um, Martin Lopez peaked yeah. probably at nine hundred seventy-two thousand. So it's not that you wouldn't like. Should to be noted. More, but should be noted. It was one point six. The lead-in. So it wasn't over two million and two point five that it that it had been in the past. Something to think about. Yes. So and that that's a good point. So, you know, it's just I, I like I mean look, I, I think they're they're they, they picked up with the model that PBC got kind of reestablished but now has gotten away from. You know, I've been saying it this year and, and before this year I didn't like a lot of Dust Chase stuff they were doing, but I just think right now top rank in ESPN for where boxing needs to try to be, you know, I think that they've got it right at the moment. I mean, I think Saturday night for where boxing's at was the, you know, the type of thing you need. I mean, Tiafima Lopez has built, built a name. And like I said about the undercard, you know, even though these guys were big favorites, it was a little better opposition than what than we normally get for that. Um, we didn't mention it, but throw it in. Zayas, I like Dias. He's still very young. Hasn't looked. I agree with the people. He hasn't looked quite as good lately. I'm starting to see yep. very, very young, but starting to see a little bit of problems with the accuracy. Um, yep, getting hit a lot sometimes later in the fight. Yeah. It was way more two way than it needed to be. The last, you know, six, seven, eight rounds, or yeah. the six, seven, and eighth round. So we're touching on. He, he looks like he might be losing a little momentum, but you know Anderson and Davis certainly kept theirs. But you know these guys all. So they all got a lot of exposure on the regular, you know, regular ESPN. That's what boxing needs. Um, you know, we'll be talking about Martin and Rivera, which is a great fight. Might as well start moving towards that, which is this weekend. And, and I love the fight, and it, it ties in with what I'm saying now. That see that that's one I wish like if you know. PBC still was doing more with Fox that that was on Fox or or a regular CBS or or you and I both thought they were dead. Ron Katz tweeted it out and I looked at it a little bit. It, it was a crazy card sponsored by the WBA, but CBS Sports Network actually had boxing on Sunday night live. Yeah, they did. So they're, they're, and they've done they're it still from time it. to time too. It, it was garbage, but it, it was there. <laughs> and, right, know, that's what I'm good. saying. So. So I'm just I put it out there that they're still in it. It's still basic, you know, pretty much basic cable. I mean, not much of an upgrade for the sports pack. So, um, and I'm not saying, I'm you know, times change. I don't mean with any of the things I'm talking about. I'm discounting streaming options, but I think we're at a point where you know it can be supplemented. In other words, if a fight's on ESPN nowadays, they can run an ESPN stream at the same ESPN Plus stream at the same time. You know, Showtime's got a streaming thing. Um, you know, there's Paramount Plus. I mean, these things are available. You know, these things are available. So, you know, I'm, I'm not discounting the stream part of it, but I'm just saying we want to get the maximum viewers possible. I mean, obviously, NFL every weekend, the Kingpin is still on regular TV. So, 
you know, I mean, the, the biggest sports league uh, in, in the world, you know, still they're still running regular TV as, as a major part of what they do. So, you know, we're not, we're not at the point where that's not key. So like this weekend, I love the fight PBC put together. I thought, I thought they needed it. Um, wish it was on a little more exposure, even than regular showtime, but regular showtime is better than it being on pay-per-view. So, um, but I, I like how top rank, I mean, if, if ESPN is going to stay with them on this so far, it seems like they are. I mean, it's just like, and, and you know, Chris, you know, you've said it. I, I always said it. I mean, I just kind of like go with what I think is good for boxing. Like when I, I always still credit the PBC guys that got the exposure when PBC first started this revival and they got a lot of their different guys seen like when Spence, you know, fought the, fought right after the U.S. Olympic basketball team played in the gold medal final against Bundu. There was a lot of examples of that. Wilder had an NBC appearance. I'm just saying that these numbers add up, and I, I was always saying that, look, even if people knock, they may, they may knock some things with PBC, but their guys are going to be in much better position than their competition because they're just adding these numbers up, and I think that happened in general. Um, but now what I'm saying is Top rank keeps running these guys out there. You know, PBC's kind of off that game. You know, these guys on Showtime and pay-per-views, you know, then it's going to be the opposite. I think, you know, that's going to start catching up with the competitors of top rank and ESPN. If, if top rank and ESPN keep running these shows out there, getting these guys booming names, adding up these numbers like, you know, Lopez Martin 972, you know, keep at, keep adding these things up. It's like when the Charlos, you know, were on Fox just a few years ago, again, getting better numbers than everybody else. People would knock it, but you know, when, when two, when 2 million people, you know, saw the Charlos on Fox, I mean, other guys aren't, aren't getting, getting seen by those, those eyeballs. So, you know, it, it all, it all matters. It all, it all adds up. So um, I like to fight a lot this weekend, Martin and Rivera. Um, I, I wish actually, have even a little more exposure, but uh, real good fight. Um, you know, on this one, I think uh, I liked Rivera. You know, a lot coming up. I I think he still looks solid, but he hasn't looked maybe quite as good lately. His last fight, he he was in with a guy that really came to fight. I don't think he can hold that against Rivera. It was just a, a somebody who really came with their their A game, best effort, and he had the battle clearly won the fight but had the battle scored a late knockdown um i think frank martin has just he's just looked he's just looked better lately so um i think they're both really good fighters i think they both can be legit top 10 guys even the loser of this fight i think that's where people shouldn't get too carried away but um i think martin looks to be in a little better form the odds make it's interesting how the odds have gone on that one too. It started out, it opened up with Mark Martin as a bit of an underdog, and he's now a, last I checked, he was a minus one ninety five favorite. So um, a lot of people are looking at this one the same way. Um, definitely a, a great competitive fight. I think it'll be a real, real good one. I, I like both guys a lot as fighters. I think really to me in terms of abilities, they're both legit top ten lightweights, and they're facing off even if people don't have them there yet um i think it'll be a real good one i'm really looking forward to this one a lot um i'm leaning towards i had to think about this one a lot but i'm leaning towards martin i just think he's in a a little better form and you know rivera can do different things too but martin um 
might be in a little better all around game right now, but, but it, it's both guys are real good. Uh, it should be a heck of a fight and uh, it's definitely not one that's easy to call. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this one, Chris? Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because uh, Rivera was the opening odds favorite, correct? I believe he yep. was at the yep. start. He opened up as the favorite. And- he opened up as the favorite. Yeah, and now FanDuel plus 205. I think I saw even a higher. Five Dimes has it plus 245. Um, Whoa. Betway plus 210. Um, the lowest one I see here is uh, bucks 75. Yeah, plus 175. And this, is, of course, is Pro Boxing Odds, um, the website that, you know, kind of is real easy to maneuver. That's you know, that's a little too much for me. Um, but, yeah, I do, you know, Frank Martin right away, you know, some of the – he got into it a little late. I think he got into it like 19 or something. I think he's like 26 or 27 yep. now, something like that. And, you know, both these guys kind of do similar stuff. You know, they both have really good jo- uh, jabs. They they both are quick-handed, got good pop. Um so they both get a little front foot heavy with their jabs so they can be timed and countered. Um, I do like the angles that Frank Martin, when he needs to get inside, and more likely he's going to have to get inside a little bit anyway. I don't think he'll be able to fight at range because, you know, Rivera likes to fight at range. He's he's aggressive as far as what kind of punch he's going to throw at you, but he's not an aggressor where he's constantly cutting the ring off, per se. Um, and I think... I think Michelle will be able to counter the jab of Martin because sometimes he'll just throw this kind of a push, one punch, one jab uh, that gets countered a lot, at least, uh, you know, in his last two fights, but especially the Marinas or Marinas. And he's a, he's a different type of fighter, obviously, than uh, Michelle too. So um, I do kind of like, they both can go to the body, no doubt. I do kind of like the angles and the pivot, the short inside quick punching um, from Martin. So I do favor him. I'm kind of stuck on the fence right now. Um, Of late, though, I kind of agree. On one hand, you know, Michelle Rivera has the more experience, right? I think that's clear. But if you look at who's faced the top, like the best fighter, out of all their fights, I think I, I would favor Frank Martin on that one. And, and like you said, he kind of looks like he's on the up and up. Now, he was getting hit clean in that fight before he stopped him. But then again, you know, so does his opponent. He's going to get hit clean, too. It's not like neither of them are, you know, really great defenders, per se. But I think both of them can get a little repetitive, but at times the only thing I haven't liked about Frank Martin is can get a little, little too repetitive. And, um, but yeah, I do. I'm actually favoring Frank Martin in this one, uh, by, I don't know, by decision, by knockout. I, that one's kind of up in the air. A lot of people are like, whenever, the, you know, however this, whoever loses is going to lose by knockout that a lot of people just kind of say that. And I'm not, 100% sold on that. Um, but I understand what people are saying, and I, and I really think this is going to be a hell of an action fight. But I am favoring Frank Martin. Uh, but as far as betting, 
it'd be hard not to put a little something on, on Michelle because of if you can get him for, tw- you know, plus 185 or plus 200, I mean, damn, you might as well at least throw something that way because obviously if it's two to one or close to it, you don't need to put much on to make a lot of money, as we know. So I really think it's still a full-on 50-50. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of in between on this one, saying Frank Martin will win, but I'm not sold on it all the way. I think those short punches, the inside angles where he can keep attacking you, but he's in range, but he's tough to hit at times. Yeah, I mean, you make you make good point about the odds from a betting perspective. I had a tough time making the call when this fight was first signed, and then I was starting to slightly lean Martin, and then the odds went way in Martin's favor. You're right to a point where you do have to start saying, is Martin a good play at this point? It's just too close of a fight. I, I agree with that. And then, you know, as you said, Martin, he came to boxing late. He's looked really good. Um, but, you know, when now fighting a guy or Rivera's caliber, um, you know, could maybe some of that show. Uh, that I mean, sometimes you do see a show in a moment like that. I think that that's uh, an X factor. And I Martin. think we've I seen it show on the way up. Maybe not recently, but I think we've seen it show a little bit where you're like, hmm, yeah, I can kind of tell he didn't, he, you know, he doesn't have a lot of amateur pedigree or whatever, but. He has improved a lot lately. Yeah, it, it, and, and that definitely matters. It's, it's one of the things I, I definitely look at. But he but he's looked real good, and it, it probably is my main concern about him. Um, I'm still leaning his way, but this is a really good fight. This is the type of fight boxing needs more of. I mean, when both guys are talented, I, I don't think if it's a good fight, I, I don't think the loser gets set back all that much. It's the type of fights the fans need. Um, This is one, one thing that PBC is willing to do more than it seems like some of the promoters, like put their own guys together uh, for certain fights. Um, So we need more of this. And, and again, as much as I like watching all weight classes and just plain old like watching a good fight, I do have to call the broadcasters on it a little bit, you know, in the U S especially, um, like, you know, generally speaking, the fans, you know, when, when you start getting, you know, especially like, you know, below featherweight, the fans just don't want to see it as much, whether that's fair or not, it is the case. So I like, this is a lightweight fight. In other words, what I'm saying here, not saying I don't want to see a good fight and appreciate it, but just speaking in cold, hard reality, you know, it, it's, it's not a, uh, it's not a it's not a 108 it's not an even money 108 108 pound fight you know it's uh that they're showing or you know 115 or something i mean it's it's a it's a, a fight in the lightweight division um you know in other words i want to see these competitive matchups between you know fighters at their prime or close to their prime or approaching their prime you know, in, in divisions, the people want to see it, see it in as well. And, and that's what we're getting here, too. And, you know, I always saw the example, even though it's UFC and not boxing, but I think it, it, do, it does matter and it's a good example. You know, the, the UFC doesn't even go down that far in their men's weight classes. I mean, uh, and, you know, remember they experimented, they had that WBC thing that they bought and was just lower weight fighters, and that, that got scrapped. So I'm just saying, you know, just from a market-type perspective, 
you know, in, in the United States. Um, the, the UFC with the males hasn't even gone there. So, in other words, boxing, you know, when, when, you're, when you're promoting weight classes that, you know, were created by the alphabets and, and the UFC hasn't even uh, felt warranted inclusion, um, you might you might be going up too steep a hill. Now, you know, you want to have those fights on the card and stuff like that, and they're good fights, fine. But but uh, I like that we're just getting a good a good light two undefeated guys at lightweight who both have pop. Um, this is the kind of this is the kind of fight boxing needs, I think. Yeah, and, and yeah, I agree. And, and kind of piggybacking off what you said about the top ranked card, yeah, it didn't have like a money co feature. Right, but like right. you said, that the opponents where the the fighter was in their career and the opponent level, there was nothing wrong with it. So just because they looked, some of them looked good, and, and the the guy didn't win a round or something, that doesn't you know. Even uh, Forrest, you know, he freaking you know he hit uh, you know the real big baby with some big right hands early, and that kind of sparked. <laughs> Jared Anderson to go crazy for that round where he threw so many punches. So in the first round, so it's like, it still was a step up. And that's when you step fighters up, that's why you do it. Cause you don't know exactly how it's going to go. So you got to find out. Um, and, and then what are, what are they, you know, how they do and if they get moved laterally or step back for a few fights or get pushed forward even stronger because they look so good. You never know really what happens. You just got to put them in the ring. So I did think, whereas in years past, yeah, it'd be a four rounder, four rounders, you know, in, in the main event, and, and and it was it wasn't as effective. But you're right. Right now, as far as we know, um, ESPN has the chance to get the biggest, on average, the biggest rating um, because of what they can do with that lead-in, and they do it throughout the year. It's not every card. Since the pandemic, and, and some people may not look at those, you know, they, they look at 2019 ratings compared to after COVID um, as far as the shutdown. Of course, we know COVID's still here, but, um, you know, you got to put that into the, the the formula when figuring out, are these ratings good? Um, and, yeah, they're down still, but there's fair amount of stuff that's still down a little bit. Um but, yeah, they have the chance to have the biggest, whereas the PBC on Fox and all the other networks there on prior, they had the biggest peak, average and peak numbers, period. It wasn't even close, really, except here and there on ESPN. But you're right. Right now, as it stands, the biggest possible peak audience is still on ESPN. But you're right. I'm, I'm really excited about this fight this weekend. It's a hell of a, you know, it's, it is a proving ground. Um, it, it's a proven ground type fight, so it's it's really dope. Any uh, any other items you want to touch upon before getting out of here? I know it's getting a little late on the East, but uh, what about that good news with Ortiz and Stanonius? That that looks like uh, yeah. that's happening soon too. Yeah, and I, I agree, Chris. And it's a, and you know even though I had a purse bid and stuff, uh, and it's a great fight. I, I like it a lot, but I still get to like look. PBC and Golden Boy know what they're doing. If if they didn't want these two guys to fight, they wouldn't do it. Um, you know, I figure for PBC, they figure, hey, you know, Stanonis, a good fighter. You know, they've exposed them some. 
Virgil Ortiz is, you know, one of Golden Boy's up-and-coming stars that they're really relying on, they figure you know, get a chance to beat this guy. Um, I, I, I would assume from Golden Boy's perspective, um, you know, PBC's got so many good welterweights, and, you know, you just Ortiz is running out of guys to fight. Um, you know, again, speculating, but I would think there's some logic there. So probably why and, – and, you know, I think that Oscar probably just thinks that Ortiz can beat Stanionis, um, probably because of his pop. Um, because that I love Stanionis, but my one criticism always been that for his style, he doesn't bring that much pop. And uh, that can be, da- you know, that can be dangerous when you're in with a guy like Ortiz. I don't have my pick yet, but, um, you know, because Ortiz is going to bring the pop. But now, you know, Stanionis was able to do that against Butayev, who, who does who does bring some good pop. And, and that was very impressive. So yeah, I love the matchup. Um, you know, I, I think both promoters decided they, they wanted it for, you know, whatever reasons. And uh, I think it's good, but... Uh, you know, to me, I think you do have to throw it out there so people don't get too carried away with the alphabet aspect because it did seem to me like the last couple of days they are. I mean, are, are we really to believe that because there's a WBA regular welterweight title that that that's why this fight needed to happen? I mean, it just doesn't really make any sense. So I think there's more to it than that. Became the right this became the right time for these guys. So I'm I'm glad it's happening though. It's a I agree. It's a, you know, it's another great competitive fight of, of undefeated guys. So it's, it's certainly another one to look forward to. I would certainly put that in with, like we have with Mark Martin and Rivera. These, these really are the kind of fights we need. Yeah, no doubt about it. And although they're not on the books per se, just yet, um, a lot of these fights, uh, you know, for, for 2023, man, when you look at like January to May and what, you know, it, it, it's looking pretty good, John. It's looking great. Um, on and Now, we, they're not booked yet. But, you know, the thing is, Showtime generally does this. A couple fights will leak out, a couple surprises. They'll have a schedule or two or a fight or two, which what they have in January set, and then they'll release a big one. And it seems like every year – when they do this, people, because a couple months ago by, and you'd be like, so what's up? You know, you'll hear rumors, you'll hear this, you'll hear that. But then they spring it on us, and people forget about the, the couple months it took to do this. And it is tough to get all these fights together and also keep them quiet. But uh, if you look at what's rumored out there, what is on the schedule, you know, it, it's it's looking like a heck of a – a January to May, so we got something to look forward to. Any uh, final thoughts on anything? No, I think we covered it all for uh, this week, Chris. I think we we got all the territory covered. So, uh, you know, looking forward to uh, Martin and Rivera this Saturday because uh, this should, should be a real good one. There we have it. Thanks a lot, John. Have a good week, and we'll see you next week. All right, Chris. Have a good one as always. Talk to you soon. All right. Take it easy. All right. So just kind of breaking that fight down more, 
Riviera Martin, like I said, both of them solid jabs. Both of them can pop. We know that. Um, they're kind of similar fighters, uh, both capable of, like, timing to land clean shots during the exchange. I think we'll see that a lot. Um, like I said, I also think that whole front foot heavy thing, I think that's very – I've seen multiple people say that, and it's very true. Like Riviera, he'll he'll overextend at times, especially with that jab, and he'll be countered. But I also think that Martin, who, who's shown he can overextend too, he gets countered with that jab a fair amount. I think Riviera will be able to do that. Um, and like I mentioned, the repetitiveness there. Um, but I just see that over-the-top right hand from Riviera, which he likes to throw anyway. I think he's going to counter that. Another thing with Martin is he likes to kind of block or parry punches, especially block. And sometimes, you know, there's a risk when it comes to that, obviously. And he'll leave his chin open. But overall, I think he's a good inside fighter, speedy, effective combination puncher. And like I said, those angles, I I really like what I see there. Um, But, yeah, Riviera footwork, eh, not a strength. Neither is his defense. Both of them can be leaky, but especially him. Um, and he has that reach, as I mentioned, and, you know, it will have to be Martin trying to close that gap. I don't think he's going to be able to fight at range. Um, I think it's been five, 10 rounders, uh, that Riviera's had compared to two. I think he's gone. I don't think he's, yeah, I think he's only gone the 10 round twice. Neither guy has gone 12, but stylistically, this is going to be a great matchup. Um, I am going to put Frank Martin, you know, have Frank Martin win by decision, like a majority decision, but I, I'm going to put money on, on, on Michelle. Like I said, I mean, it's too much of a live dog there, in my opinion. Um, oh yeah. So I, I mentioned, I teased Jamal Charlo last week. I saw, you know, a lot of people think he's just going to do the Selecki fight again because he's been out of the ring so long. I know he had a back injury, but then he's had a lot of outside-the-ring stuff that he's been dealing with some personal stuff. A lot of people have been dogging about it, not waiting for the the uh, the full story to come out. And we've seen, you know, some of those charges dropped in the investigation. That, you know, not it's not happening quite like people thought it would be. That's the thing, especially nowadays, no matter who it is, off of a first report, you, you got to kind of wait and see all that stuff. But I bring that up because I have heard multiple times now rumors about Daniel Jacobs, Charlo and Daniel Jacobs, and that is a fight that a lot of people wanted to see. Um, a lot of people saying it's a, a coach. Oh, I shouldn't say a lot. I keep saying a lot. It's not a lot. But there's people that think maybe Spence Thurman, that would be the If they put Jamal, Charlo, and Danny Jacobs on the co-feature, sign me up. Now, and I think this, I was going to say now, I do have to preference that Jacobs hasn't looked all that good of late. And he just doesn't look motivated. And in that writer fight, um, in that other what was the other fight? Was one of them Chavez Jr.? God damn, did, I'm, I'm forgetting it. Um, but he, he hasn't. So, you know, 
if you need something to motivate yourself, I think this would be it because this is old beef. Um, get back with your trainer and get it in, you know, because I like this fight still. And let's be honest, you know, oh, no, it was it was Chavez, actually, but it was also Gabe Rosario. Yeah, both, all three of the – well, the, the Chavez fight, that eh, whatever. But – and you could think he won the Ryder fight. That's cool. I'm not going to rip you for that or anything. That's fair. But, I, you know, I don't – you could make an argument either guy really, you know, deserved to win that fight, whatever. But I, I didn't have a big issue uh, with Ryder winning that fight because it just didn't do enough, and you're on the road. So – Kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of it, that's kind of what happens, dude. You know, kind of what happens. But it, 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 you know, we also got to remember Charlo hasn't been in the ring a long time, so it does even that fight out more. If you're looking at Jacobs, and and you know, he hasn't really looked great in all his fights either at 160, uh, Jamal. So I still like the fight. I think it would be a great motivator for both, but especially Daniel Jacobs. It's almost like he needs to, oh, shit, okay. This uh, this is actually a meaningful fight to me. Um, but that's just a rumor. And when guys are out of the ring so long, it does make me think that maybe they're, they're going to have that fight, but not right to it. Um, but maybe they think, hey, this is a perfect time. It kind of evens it out. Jacobs hasn't looked as good. Hasn't looked as motivated. I don't know if that's his training or not or what. But then Charlo's been out so long, so who knows? You know, who knows? Um, we did get some good news, bad news since the last time I spoke to you about the Oscar, or uh, you know, last time I spoke to you in general. Um, we we heard that you know it's basically a done deal for a, a, a entertaining fight, which was you know. I mean, I was looking forward to this freaking fight. I really, really was. Um, it doesn't mean it can't happen. It sounds like it definitely could happen. Um, but it's not happening right now because Oscar Valdez got hurt. Um, there wasn't specifics as far as what he actually injured. Um, but So that kind of sucks. He was going to fight Navarrete. Navarrete. Um, it was supposed to be February 3rd. So they had just announced it too, man. It was going to be on ESPN. Yeah, it sucks. But anyway, there is a, a replacement. Um, I I don't really know the replacement much. I, I definitely heard of Liam Wilson. And I feel like I've seen him fight because I, I have seen him fight, but I just I kind of got to get my brain wrapped around him again, you know? Uh, but it sounds like Liam Wilson, 11-1, and one, will be, who's ranked third in the WBO. This is off of BoxingScene.com. He'll will, will likely be that. Now, England's Archie Sharp, who's 22-0, has long been the WBO's number one challenger. So you'd think, well, you know, but Boxing Scene has been informed Navarrete won't fight Sharp on February 3rd. Sharp and Wilson, Sharp and Wilson had reportedly agreed to fight on the Charlo Tim Zoo, so maybe that's something. Um, so yeah, that sucks, but it sounds like gonna, the winner of that fight, which you assume would be Navarrete, um, that they just didn't, then he'd fight Valdez. So that is kind of a bummer, but you know, injuries freaking happen, man. You know, it 
is what it is. There's not much you can, uh, you know, do about that. Um, what else we got here? Oh, the Lawrence Coley. Uh, Lawrence Coley and Eddie Hearn stuff, matchroom stuff, contract stuff. He's got one fight left. No, he doesn't. Blah, 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 blah. IFL TV and Boxing King Media did the interviews. So basically, Akoli assumed he was done with his contract, going back and forth with Matchroom, which obviously is the Eddie Hearn side. There was this Glovoski fight that didn't happen because of COVID. Um, but all of a sudden, Akoli thought he was done with his contract. So he's like, all right, well, offer me a new contract because I got, you know, Let's see what you're going to, you know, give me or whatever. And then he got offered some other stuff, right, from Sky. Maybe he got some other ones too. But all of a sudden, out of kind of nowhere, the way he explains it, like I said, we've heard just barely from Ogoli before this, and we've heard some from Eddie Hearn. Um, And I will follow up if Eddie has something to say about this. Uh, Not to me, but you know what I mean. I like to do that because that's how you do it. But all of a sudden he said, well, because of COVID, I wasn't able to give you this fight or whatever. The whole thing is there was a claim that he still owed him one fight. And Eddie Hearn said he still owes me one fight. Although the contract expired, there's a, a clause in the contract that actually you owe me a fight. And, and Akoli said something about, you know, that Glovoski fight that didn't happen because of COVID, blah, 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 blah. So, so basically Akoli went and got some lawyers it sounded like, you know, he, it was clear. He was clear to be a free agent. Um, but in the meantime, right, they were they were saying you actually have to pay 500,000 pounds to buy your way out of that one fight. Um, but then also wouldn't match the offer that came into a goalie. It said, oh, that's way too much. By the way, you owe us a fight. You know, that type of stuff. I'm not saying it's an exact order, but this is the way he explained it. And um, it it is kind of funny because it's like we did hear Eddie Hearn say that he wasn't making money on a Kobe. So why would you want one more fight? But, you know, was the hustle from Matchroom to be like, hey, you have one more fight and just hope he wouldn't get better representation or whatever. Uh, for a lawyer or whatever to to look at it and get five hundred thousand pounds out of it, I don't know, but it sounds shaky as hell. It's not a big surprise. I'm not trying to point out Eddie Hearn as some just horrible promoter. He's a dirt bag and all that. I mean, all things that stuff can be true, but this is boxing, so you know I'm just basically stating what are known as facts to some people, right? Um, I mean, that's what Akoli said. And like I said, if Hearn comes out and said all that stuff's bullshit, I'll tell you what it is, then we'll go with that. Or we won't go with it, but we'll at least put it into the formula. But but basically, out of nowhere, he thought his contract was expired, didn't have another bout. Supposedly there was a clause. And then all of a sudden, they're trying to get him, we, you owe us one more fight or you got to pay your way out. And it sounds like that was bullshit. And he's out now. So, and like I said earlier in the show, it's kind of weird that this is happening considering Akoli has AJ management, the two 
258 management. So it's like, damn, you're going to dog out AJ's management? It's kind of a weird thing there. But anyway, someone said, what do I think about Gervonta saying something about Tim Bradley? I don't um, – I think that that was on some ignorant uh, in-your-20s shit or something. I don't know. I don't stand by what he said. I, I can't totally remember. He he, he kind of said he's a shit fighter or something like that, right? I mean, don't quote me on that. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he did kind of uh, – Discount. Let's put it that way. He discounted. <laughs> he discounted him. So, um, kind of interesting there. Discounted him. Is that a good way to put it? He discounted. Yeah, him. I don't. I, I really like Timmy D. Bradley as a. I loved Timmy D. Bradley as a fighter. Okay. Um, I don't like him. I, I'll admit, I, I'm not a big fan of him though. Uh, as far as the ESPN broadcaster. I'm just not a big fan of him. But, hey, there's plenty of them like that. Um, someone sent me, the body is the biggest part of the body <laughs> for a Timothy Bradley line. <laughs> and we talked about how Spence got in that accident. The rumor or the talk was a 14-year-old kid took his uh, parents' car, done that multiple times, or been in a car as well that my friends snuck out. But they ran right into him. And people were going with he had a DW, he was drunk. Even the Mayweather channel, this is what they, they said about their video. This is how they claimed their video. They, they titled it, Errol Spence in another accident, injures leg in accident involving 14-year-old. So injures leg, did injuries, well, it says injures leg in accident involving 14-year-old. So it, did the 14-year-old injure his leg, and that's where they got away with that? That was that, That's some bullshit, dude. That, that's some bullshit. A lot of people jumping on that, just assuming uh, that, you know, that that was the case. Uh, that that was on some bullshit. Dude. That was definitely on some bullshit. Um, so, is this right? I'd have to, uh, have to look at that. Oh, uh, talking about the Devin Haney stuff. Devin Haney tweeted, these people, meaning top rank, because he he said that he backed it up, said, these people, top rank, are trying to push my next fight with Loma to May. Knowing the longer I stay at the the weight, the harder it is to make. Let's do the the shit in March. Uh, He also added that I literally told top rank I wanted to fight before Ramadan. So, now, I don't know if it's a complete, like, 100% recent, interview like as of today i think it was from the weekend but bob did say we're going to try to make it to march now that's what he said on camera what he's saying off camera i don't know is he trying to jerk him around i don't know um we it was a reported three-year deal or not three-year my bad my bad a reported we don't know factually but a reported three-fight deal for Devin haney he's had two fights so that kind of tells you where you're at. Are they going to try to jerk him a little bit, trying to get him to sign an extension? He'll probably have to sign an extension if he wants the Loma fight. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, but we'll see. You know, if they said it, it was going to be March, there's really no reason it can't be March. Um, and they even said that it would be March or, or April. But if he if they push it to May, that is kind of weak. Um, 
but I, I certainly would be shocked if he had to sign, re-sign a couple fight deal. And hey, if he's planning to go to 140 soon, it's not a bad place to be, if we're being honest. Uh, the WBA <laughs> World Boxing Association WBA Championships Committee ordered the heavyweight world title between super champion Alexander Usyk and champion Daniel Dubois. So that's fun. You know what I mean? I, I, that's real fun. That's good, right? Um, but this is this is actually uh, uh, Detril, Carilla Detril. Good follow. This is Aaron just a week ago saying Haney Loma is hopefully going to be announced in a couple of weeks for mid-March. This is not a top rank scheduling issue. So what does that mean? Does that mean what I think it means? I don't know. We'll see. We will see. So here's Tiafima Lopez. This is what I said mean by mental stuff. PSA. When I'm at boxing, uh, boxing events to promote myself more and give love to the fans, I don't need any of you from the boxing industry to come up to me. You can be in conjunction or cahoots with each other, so keep the same energy. Bunch of fakes and snakes. My son is everything. Um, so, not totally sure on that one, what what exactly that makes, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, this is top rank. This is uh, when we were tied. I think John said this. This is Coppinger, top rank, which promotes Alberto or Luis Alberto Lopez in Conley said, we'll look to match that next in a title fight. Uh, sources tell ESPN, that'd be dope. That'd be phenomenal. Sign me the F up for that fight. Here's another one. This is Jake Donovan, Adrian Broner, <laughs> Red Catch, Yvonne Red Catch, is officially set to headline February 18th BLK Prime event in Atlanta. The co-feature is Tevin Farmer and Mickey Bay. It finally found a home in Hotlanta. Now, <laughs> boy, oh boy, that that Black Prime money must be good because uh, you know he looked pretty uh, he looked pretty happy. He looked holiday happy. Thanksgiving just happened. Christmas is coming. A lot of hams, a lot of cooked hams and yams and. Uh, stuffing, mashed potatoes, and man, he looked, he looked healthy. Okay, so some people are clowning Crawford for a website claiming he only got his purse is $2 million, and the total payout with the pay-per-view revenue, revenue share is $6 million. And the David Evanesian is 400000 with the payout being one point two with the pay-per-view share, right? Potential, I guess. 70-30 split. This website, I've seen this over and over again. I don't know what Crawford made. I'm not going to act like I do. I would like to see, you know, some proof of it. Not proof of funds, but proof. Uh, but we don't get that a lot. We, we hear a listed purse. That's usually not what you get when it comes to these type of fights, especially on pay-per-view. But that that website's nonsense. It's bullshit, and so don't listen to it. It actually says how much champ, oh, how much champion Terence Crawford earned from the pay per view. Blah, blah blah. It says the official figures for the purse not revealed yet, 
it's confirmed Crawford. But he said it's not the official. It even says it right there. The official figures for the purse not revealed yet. It's confirmed Crawford Crawford will earn a guaranteed purse of two million. However, if the pay per view numbers improve, if pay per view numbers improved from the previous fights, Crawford would pocket six million. So. I, like I said, I'm going to go back to it. I have no clue. I have no clue what he made. Not a clue. But that website is bullshit. Let's say it turns out to be right when it comes to this one. Okay, maybe that'll be. Maybe that will be. But it's bullshit in general. I've seen plenty of numbers out of there that were bullshit. Um, Connor Ben penned a note saying he's innocent and all this stuff, right? But he never, I don't know. Dan Raphael summed it up. A lot of words that say nothing about consequences related to a failed test. Yeah. It's like he put out this stuff, he put out this, this, this article, or not article, but this you know, statement. And he said a bunch of stuff. But what it comes down to, I think, is, I don't, I don't know. Will he be able to say how he proved Supposedly, allegedly, that he, 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 how that stuff got into a system. We know that UCAT is not under VADA, so they don't really have jurisdiction to, you know, say you're suspended because he didn't fail your test. So I never thought he'd be suspended per se, or not, you know, not guaranteed because do they have, you know, is it, wouldn't that be against the law? And then we've also heard in the past that all you have to do, and Vada doesn't have a lot of money either, but all you would have to do, let's say in theory, that someone alleged, you know, you're trying to clear your name, that you could be like, all right, well, I'll just sue you. And they don't have a lot of money, so you could just sue them, and it, and it has them, you know, back off of stuff. So the, the point is they don't have a test. UCAD doesn't have a test. That, that was failed. They just don't. So they don't go by VADA testing. So are they going to now go by VADA testing? I don't know if that's going to be in the future, but Connor Ben, it, it, it's to be noted. I'm noting that he put out something, but he doesn't explain how he got off or if he got off. Or I, don't, I have no clue. I just wanted to say that. Also, Anthony Joshua's seen uh, over this last weekend in Texas with Derek James. There's rumors from a, a variety of sources. I don't know if that's going to be straight up true, but there's a variety of sources saying he's going to move to Texas and train with him. Now, there's also, did he is he just doing this tour where he trains a couple days with Ronnie Shields, a couple days here, a couple days there, which I don't – sure, that could do something, but I think he, then you got to work on him for a, month, you know, a couple months. If he dedicates himself to – move someplace here, whether it's Ronnie Shields or, you know, that type of thing, whatever, just being, you know, Derek James, that'd be great. That'd be phenomenal. But if he's just doing the tour again, just kind of, oh, well, I'm just talking to him about stuff, and then you go go back to a different trainer. I don't know. I don't know. Um, here's Jake Donovan from the WBA convention. Uh, he says, not sure what to – Make of this, WBA convention revealed Alberto Puelo and Gary Antoine Russell done for the title. Puelo, mandatory challenger 
uh, Barroso would be due the winner. At least three sources who had intimate knowledge of this of the fight all deny it's happening next or at all. <laughs> Whatever the hell that means. And if you look at the ratings, it lines up. It does line up uh, in that manner. But it's like, mm, I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm not sure how that goes. Okay. Um, oh, uh, Jahi Tucker. He missed by three and a half pounds. This is Adam, SN Boxing. Haven't heard an explanation as to why he missed by, yeah, that is a lot. I kind of forgot about that. Kind of funny how that works, isn't it? That you just kind of just, some guys get the, a big, te- you know, big time attention, some not. This is not the same Tiafima Lopez who beat, uh, who beat Loma. Yeah, that's very true. Um, oh, here's uh, Pro Gray. All jokes aside, I hope T.O.'s okay. Boxing is tough and lonely sport, and it can be very taxing mentally. I think he might need some changes in his personal life. That, that's a great tweet, man. That's definitely a tweet of the the week. Um, Teofimo Lopez got to be in the running for the most corny in boxing. Yeah, dude. He is a corny dude. Let's be honest. Here's Adam again. Teo had an easier time with Loma than he is than he had or than he is with Martin. It's a great sport. Yeah, no shit. It is a great sport for that. It's just like, wow, dude. That uh, It's funny how that works, man. It's really funny how that works. Adam had another one that I really liked. Maybe it'll be next week. Maybe I deleted it on accident. Yeah, it looks like I did. It was a really good tweet about, god dang it. Here's a tweet from uh, Sergio Mora. Bibble beat the best fighter on the planet being the naturally bigger champion. Bam beat two of the best, two of the best flyweights on the planet as the natural smaller contender. That's why he think he should be fighter of the year. I'm seeing this WB ordered, WBA ordered Morrell Jr. as the mandatory to Alvarez. Is that, is that true? Someone sent me it, but I, I don't know. I really don't know if it's true. They're also saying other stuff like, uh, um, uh, the Golovkin, uh, Lara thing, it, isn't that old news? That's not new news, is it? Am I wrong about that? I don't know. Oh, by the way, the ten point must system. The ten point system. Just a little history on it. The ten point system was first introduced in 1968 by the WBC as a rational way of scoring fights. Someone had a question about earlier. So, um. We really could have had Spence versus Crawford, Stanonius, Stanonius and Ennis, November 17th. Yeah, dude, that's, that's pretty wild if that's true. Man. Golly, that would have been nuts. All right, I'm going to get out of here. I think that's about it. Heartbreaker for Butler getting stopped so close to his dream of going the distance. Yeah, it was nice that he did get that. Paul Butler trying to Kevin Johnson his way to a UD loss. That's hilarious. All right, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy the fights. We'll be back next weekend. Peace out.